Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. With you on a Saturday night into Sunday morning. Dan Wilson producing the show tonight as we get you set for Eagles Falcons today. One o'clock right here on 94 WIP. And quite frankly, I can't wait. You know, so excited for this season. Mentioned it earlier in the week, but just, you know, last year, aside from being an absolutely horrendous season for the Eagles, it didn't feel like a real season in the same way. And opening day didn't feel like opening day. Even leading up to the season, we didn't know if it was actually going to happen. I mean, Cesar Gramenzi was producing the show at the time, and I would ask Cesar every week leading up to week one, you know, what his confidence level was uh, that we were going to see the Eagles play Washington last year uh, on, I guess it was September 13th. Every week, I'd ask him about his confidence level because we didn't know if this was actually going to happen, you know, with COVID and and whether things were going to completely break down or shut down again. And, and while we are, unfortunately, still very much in the pandemic, uh, you know, thanks to vaccines and other measures that have been taken, it does feel a little more normal. And I feel confident saying that the Eagles and Falcons will play uh, on Sunday at one o'clock and there, you know, won't be um, an absurd amount of COVID issues. And hopefully we have not just a normal opening week to the NFL season, but a more normal NFL season in general. And tonight, today, whatever it is, it actually does feel much more like an actual Eagles opening day. And over the course of the next few hours, we will examine every aspect of the game. We will preview all of week one, make playoff predictions and Super Bowl picks and all that good stuff, everything dealing with the Eagles and the NFL. And, you know, in the past... On this shift, I've usually set up the show, waited till the second segment to give you like my keys to the game and and my prediction. But I don't want to wait, so so we're just going to get right into it right now with this game on Sunday. And it's a fascinating matchup between two teams in you know kind of similar positions, where you know both come in with new head coaches, and you don't really know what to expect. Um, Nick Sirianni, we don't know what kind of offense he's going to run. The Eagles didn't show anything in the preseason, and, and they did that with good reason. I mean, if you have the element of surprise on your side, 
and you, you know, have a situation where a team doesn't know what your real philosophy is going to be, there's no reason to show in the preseason uh, what you might be up to and and what special wrinkles you might have in your bag. And the Eagles are kind of always vague, but they were even more guarded this preseason. And obviously didn't play a lot of their guys, didn't show a lot on either side of the ball. And we don't know what kind of offense this team's going to run. I, I, Nick Sirianni might come out and he might run the ball 40 times today. He might, you know, throw the ball 35, 40 times. We just don't know what kind of offense the Eagles are going to run. And very similarly, we don't know what to expect from Atlanta either. I mean, their new head coach, Arthur Smith, comes into a situation where you would think, based on the personnel that he has in Atlanta, that that's a team that's going to look to air it out and going to look to throw the ball and, and lean on Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and and Kyle Pitts and, you know, move the ball through the air. Yet, looking at Arthur Smith's history, coming from Tennessee, where he's the offensive coordinator, very run-heavy offense, where they leaned on Derrick Henry a significant amount. So there is really very little to go off of on either side and I think that makes for a real fun matchup. And when I look at what's important for the Eagles in this game and what the keys are for the Eagles in this game, number one, I just talked about it with Paul a little bit during the crossover. But for me, this is the key to victory. And we talk so much about the offense, and I get it. I mean, that's what what the story is coming into the season, is what is Jalen Hurts going to do this year? Is he going to prove that he can be the franchise quarterback moving forward? Is Nick Sirianni going to be this this innovative, truly special offensive mind? But you look at the other side of the ball, this is the key in this game for me, for the Eagles. And it's the defense. And they need to get pressure, and they need to get pressure specifically up the middle. When you look at the matchups, and, you know, I've, I've tried to look at it as closely as I could coming into this game. The Eagles should have advantages up front on that side of the football, especially on the interior. When you look at what the Falcons have in the middle, they are starting some guys on the offensive line um, who are just not all that experienced. And obviously, you have Fletcher Cox. You have Javon Hargrave, who had a really good summer in training camp. This should be an advantage for the Eagles. And this is, I think, their biggest mismatch in this game on either side of the ball is their interior of their defensive line against the interior of Atlanta's offensive line. You know, you get on third down, you move Brandon Graham inside, you move Derek Barnett inside. There are going to be opportunities for the Eagles to get after Matt Ryan. And we know, you know, Matt Ryan is not a mobile quarterback. He's not a guy that's going anywhere. And you should be able to to heat him up a little bit and maybe force some turnovers. I think another important thing in this game for the Eagles is when they're rushing Matt Ryan to keep their hands up. Like, if you can bat a pass and maybe turn that into an interception. Pressure up the middle, there's no better way to create turnovers than getting pressure right in a quarterback's face. 
And even against a veteran like a Matt Ryan, I think this is a position where the Eagles could take advantage of. So that's my key number one for this game. Number two, offensively, get Jalen Hurts into a rhythm very early in this game. Because even for a guy like Hurts, who I think is as confident as they come, has played in in a number of big games throughout the course of his career, has played in so many high-profile spots in his time at Alabama and at Oklahoma and even last year uh, stepping in for Carson Wentz, I think the nerves could be a factor for him in this game. I mean, it's his first game starting as the guy. You know, last year, kind of playing out the string, and the Eagles were still in the mix, I guess, for the postseason, but this is his first year where he truly is the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. And just like we know what's at stake for Jalen Hurts this year, Jalen Hurts knows what's at stake. He knows that this is his opportunity and that not all quarterbacks coming into the NFL get an opportunity to enter a season as the starting quarterback and have an opportunity to really seize a job. And to alleviate those nerves, I think it's really important you get him into a rhythm early. You know, whether that's quick passes, whether that's, you know, calling a few designed run plays for him. Uh, I think that could be a good way to get Jalen Hurts into a, a rhythm. And then number three, as I say, you know, maybe utilize some run plays. you got to utilize his legs in this game. I mean, I think it is Jalen Hurts, one of his more important strong suits and one of his biggest advantages against the defense coming into this game is his ability to utilize his legs. And you look around the league, you look at guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and what the threat of running with the football does to a defense and what it causes them to, you know, kind of respect I think it can open up things in the running game. You look at the impact that Jalen Hurts had on Miles Sanders last year, especially in that New Orleans Saints game where Miles Sanders breaks off an 87-yard run. You look at why that happened. It was because the Saints had to respect Jalen Hurts' legs in the read option. I think that's another spot where you got to take advantage of in this game. Um, And if the Eagles do those things, I think they should give themselves a decent chance to win. Now, all that being said, and I'm not trying to let anybody down here, I am not picking the Eagles this week. I do believe Atlanta wins this game. Um, I think it's pretty much a toss-up. I think it's going to be a really close game late. I wouldn't be surprised if it's tied with five minutes to go. But I'm taking the Falcons 23-20 to in this game, um, and more than anything because they're at home. But I definitely believe this is a game the Eagles can win. And when you look at potential playoff chances, this game could factor in very significantly. And this is one of the parts of this season that I find interesting about the way the Eagles are starting out. Because we all know the back end of the schedule for them is significantly easier than the first part. Where your final six games are... Five NFC East games and the New York Jets. Like, that is as favorable as it can get down the stretch. And these first six games 
you have Atlanta and San Fran, Dallas, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, if you can steal a couple of these games early, you can put yourself in a real favorable situation. So I'm taking the Falcons 23-20. to um, I, I, I don't know why, but I think a Jake Elliott miss at some point in this game will factor into the outcome. Uh, but I'm taking the Falcons 23-20 in this one. Uh, and I'd love to get your take on it uh, to start the show here. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Do you have a prediction for this game, Dan, that you want to uh, get in here? I do. So I actually think the Eagles are going to win tomorrow. And I was kind of going back and forth on the score. I'm right around the same point you are, but the other way, like 23-20 Eagles. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I think I was discussing this uh, with Jolly that usually week one, it's really hard to predict games because so much changes week to week in the NFL, let alone year to year. You have two rookie head coaches. You have essentially a rookie quarterback in Jalen Hurts. I know he played a few games last year, but fully going through a training camp, not playing much in the preseason. I like, it's funny because I'm actually lower on the Eagles this year than you are in terms of a win total. I have them right around seven, but I think tomorrow's a game they get. I think it's a game they should and quite frankly need to get if they're going to get to some of these win totals that people have themselves predicting. But I think the advantage they have on the lines and the fact that this team is as healthy as it is, like a lot of the reason I'm not so high on this team is the lack of depth and how they're going to get worn down over the season. I think actually week one against a weak opponent for the Eagles helps this team massively. Okay. And I, I like that. And I, yeah, I do think this is kind of one of those coin flip games. I, I think everybody kind of sees it the same way. I haven't, I haven't really seen anybody predict like a blowout either way. I don't think well, it's that would be, be surprising. I think these two teams week one, like it's a pretty even matchup and no one really knows where to go with it. It's a pretty standard like minus three, minus three and a half line for the Falcons. Nationally, no one knows what to make of it. There's just question marks all over the board. How could you really predict what's going to happen? There's no outcome tomorrow where we're going to say, well, that was really surprising. The only outcome that would really surprise me is if it's a blowout in the Eagles' favor. That would when people are going to be jumping off the walls if, if that happens. If the Eagles win thirty-eight to ten, I think that would be a pretty shocking outcome. It would be a huge statement oh, win if they did that. The show tomorrow night would be electric. would be. You're going to have Super Bowl predictions if that <laughs> right. happens. But I guess that's fair. I within reason, I'll say. Like within reason, I would say that most outcomes tomorrow will not be stunning. I don't even know if I'd be that stunned. I would be stunned that the Eagles look that good out of the jump. But I, I will not be shocked if either team wins this game tomorrow. I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot of expected outcomes in this game. It's going to be a, two teams who are adapting the new systems, going to be figuring a lot of things out, expect a lot of maybe penalties and rookie mistakes from both teams early on both of these sides as they figure out each other's coaches and things like that. But it, it's a game that should come down to the wire, and it might just be who gets the ball last. Yeah, and, and I think that that's certainly... Uh, certainly a chance uh, th- that it could go down that way. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But I want your predictions. Eagles-Falcons Sunday afternoon. What is going to happen? What are the keys for you? As I said, I think the biggest one, this is about the Eagles' defensive line. Like That's where the Eagles have their mismatches. That's where they have, on paper, a significant advantage. Uh, especially inside Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, um, those guys need to uh, need to bring their A game. Mark, the Eagles do that. Uh, I think they have a real good opportunity to spring this upset on the road. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, so talking Eagles Falcons, we will break it down. We'll get to the Phillies a little later on. 
they get a win on Saturday night uh, down at Citizens Bank Park um, and get back to within three and a half games. So they're still in the mix. Um, and we'll see if they can get the split on Sunday afternoon. 215-592-9494. Uh, open lines right now. So a good time to get in if you would like. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Sunday morning, uh, Saturday into Sunday, Eagles week one. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Nice seeing my old friend Sue Schilling this morning. Sue doing the traffic over on KYW News Radio. So uh, great to see Sue. I haven't seen Sue in a while. Uh, so it was good to see her. She filled in on this shift a couple weeks ago. Um, and also a little later on, we will talk a, a little bit. I was talking about Big Daddy with Jolly during the crossover. We'll talk a little bit about the the special that Rob Cherry and Mike Angelina put together because it really was very well done. I got here early tonight. Um, it was working down at the Phillies game, came straight to the station, and was listening to the Big Daddy tribute from 11 to 12. And I'll find out when we're playing it again uh, so we can let you know. But if you didn't get to hear it, make sure you get a chance uh, to listen to it. Um, and, uh, you know, we got to get that podcast somewhere. I'm not. I'm sure it's up on the station, but certainly listen to it. Tremendous, tremendous job by both Rob and Mike. Um, even though I, you know, I don't like to give Mike credit for anything, but I, I, We'll give Mike credit for this. Uh, very nice job with the Big Daddy tribute. Very few people knew Big Daddy better than Mike. It was his producer for, for years. Um, so uh, make sure you listen to that. A very, very touching and well-done piece uh, by those guys. And Rob is Rob is so talented with those tributes and the year in review and all the stuff that he does. Just very, very well done by those guys. Yeah, it, it was really, I caught the tail end of it on my way in. Uh, yeah. Very well done for a guy who, I mean, I've obviously worked a number of these shifts in the post-Big Daddy era. Uh, I had a chance to work the morning show on Thursday under the worst of circumstances, being in for Ava. And right. the tributes were touching. And even though I never met him in person, I spoke to him on the phone a few times. So it was cool. Learned a lot about him that I didn't know. And uh, it was a good way to remember him, certainly. Yeah. Well, just know, I mean, the show has suffered greatly since Big Daddy's not in, and now you're no, you're dealing with me. Now and I'm stuck with you doing it. Yeah. We're like ten times, like it's infinitely worse at that. So the, the shift Daddy is going downhill. Is. Well, I mean, it is. It, it, it's, it, and that's you know, it, that's just that's not even an insult to myself. It's just the it's reality just, of it. Yeah. It's just how good. Like it. It's. I, I I said it to Paul during the crossover. Like. Big Daddy was so creative. He was the most creative person at this station, and not by a small margin. Like you, I mean, you've worked that shift, Dan. I mean, yeah, no, you, you, you got to brutal. Well, you got to pull out the stop sometimes because you know it's the middle of the night and people aren't always light lighting up the phone line at four o'clock in the morning to talk about whatever. Especially through the summer, which we just got through. I mean, we're back to football season here, so you got to be creative to be entertaining in that shift and the fact that i mean we heard from people at least on social media like 
old Eagles players and Mark Zumoff saying that they would listen to him on the way home when they would get back from road trips, and you never even knew that they listened to him until he was uh, gone. So, like, the fact that he had that level of an impact when seeming, like, you don't think anyone's awake, but somehow everyone heard him. So he had to have been that good. Oh, yeah, no. He's a, he's a, a guy who did overnight radio who was, like, a significant voice in the city that people paid attention to, and that's that's not easy to achieve. Especially not right. at that hour. I think Glenn, actually, I was perusing Glenn and Ray earlier, said it best, which was he actually, in a way, did himself a disservice because he was so good at that shift that they didn't want to move him anywhere else. Right. Yeah. That he he like just put himself in that shift so well, and he did it so well that he the they would never move well, him any big, other time. Yeah, big, big Daddy could have succeeded anywhere doing anything. Like he's one of those guys that he could have. Big Daddy would have been successful working any shift, doing any job, whether it's radio. I mean, you see, did, did comedy, did radio, did you know, it, whatever. He's just an ultra ultra talented guy, and. uh it was a pleasure, pleasure to work. Really quick, did you hear? Because I was on, Al told the story. I thought it was quite funny. I don't know if you heard it. The uh, the story about how he got Governor Rendell to yeah, prank him. I did hear I that. think it's phenomenal. Yeah. Like, the whole story of it about, quickly for anyone who doesn't know it, like the day of one of his, not Ava's wedding, but his other daughter's wedding. I'm blanking on her name. Well, I don't think we can tell it as well. Let's let's let them listen to the tribute. So, to the, uh, yeah. Was it in the tribute? I yeah. mi- okay, so I missed that yeah. part. Okay, it's so, phenomenal. Listen to the tribute. It's a great story. Yeah, Al, Al, can, Al can tell it better uh, than we can, certainly. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But uh, Eagles season uh, coming up here, and Howie Roseman, I think, Put it perfectly. He was on the morning show this week. We'll let you hear uh, some of that a little later on. But here was Howie just talking about how he, how excited he is uh, for the feeling of a new season. Yeah, I think it's it's probably no different than you're feeling and our fans are feeling. It's it's a mixture of excitement and, and nerves, and it's um, I I think you know you can't wait to see it. And I, I feel like uh, those first games they're always a little different because nobody's really showing the preseason. You don't have a lot of scouting to do on teams offensive defense and special teams and especially with two new coaches so um i think that uh, you know i can't wait for one o'clock but i can't sit there and tell you that you know i'm not going to be excited and nervous you know that picture of me in the super bowl where i'm kind of swaying back with like 11 seconds left <laughs> yes you, know that? you yes. remember that oh yeah 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 uh, that 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 may be me in the back swaying a little bit but um <laughs> i'm really excited to see this team and uh to continue to make this city proud about our football team. And I think we got that blue collar mentality. And uh, I think there are good things ahead for us. I think that's the way we all feel. And by the way, I mean, nice little flex by Howie there. I love the reference to the internet meme of himself. Right. You remember me? You You remember me like right before we won the Super Bowl? Like just want to remind you that took place before you rip me anymore. With the team that I built. Yeah. You know, remember. He's good at that, by the way, just like inserting little, you know, reminders of the things he's accomplished. Yeah. And why not? I mean, he, he should be. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Neil in Belleville. What's up, Neil? Tom Kelly, called this station for a long time. First time speaking to you. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling, Neil. Appreciate it, man. You know, there's an old quote that you can measure the mark of a man the day he dies. And and listening to the way Philadelphia and and social media has really come out, um, you know, about Big Daddy Graham and everything he accomplished tells you really everything you need to know about the mark he left in Philadelphia. And I thought that tribute was very well done. And and says a lot about the man and what he did. So I thought that was very nicely done. Yeah, no doubt, uh, Neil. Th- yep. 
Go ahead. Yeah, Eagles and then Phillies. Um, I actually agree with you 23-20, 24-21. I think the game boils down for me to two things. The, the, this game is going to be won in the trenches. The Falcons don't have a great offensive line. They don't have a great defensive line. We're far superior on the lines than the Falcons. If we, if we control the, the trenches, we will win this game. The biggest issue I see for the Eagles, quite frankly, is they have two tight ends, Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts. And what do you need to cover good tight ends in the NFL? Good linebackers. And our linebacking crew is probably our biggest weakness. And I worry that, you know, Pitts and, and Hayden Hurst are going to go nuts on against our linebackers. I think Pitts is going to – I've said this, and I'll, I think he's going to have a huge debut in his first game. You know, he's a generational tight end. I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up, you know, six for 75 in his first game. But I think that's what the game boils down to. If we win in the trenches, we're going to win this game. If the Falcons get the tight ends involved, they're going to win this game. That's, I think, the two things for me that it boils down to. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's a legit concern, Neil. And the tight ends um, are an issue. And like you said, not only linebackers, but also safeties. Not having Rodney McLeod is a big deal for the Eagles. Anthony Harris is a good player. Not great in man-to-man coverage. So, yeah, that's that's a worry. If I was the Eagles, if Jonathan Gannon, I would I I consider putting a corner on Kyle Pitts when you can. Like I I think you need to commit um to taking him away because like you said, he is he's a freak. Like there's a reason he went number 4 overall in the draft. You don't normally see tight ends going that high. Well, he's a tight end in the name only. I mean, he's basically he's a tight end with the body of a wide receiver. And a wide receiver with the physicality of a tight end. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna put him everywhere. You know, no slot on the outside. Uh, he's gonna be a matchup nightmare. It reminds me, the closest comp I could think is like DK Metcalf. If he were a tight end, I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be special. And he's gonna be tough from day one. Um, I was at the Phillies game today. Um, the solemnity and, and the the tribute to to our fallen heroes was extremely well done. Uh, you know, Wheeler had a great game. You know, bailed out with a couple of great defensive plays. Uh, I'll tell you something, you know, you know, this team is, is like a heart attack on a roller coaster. I mean, one day I think this team could make the playoffs and maybe maybe went around. The next day I think they're going to lose seven straight <laughs> and we have no chance. And, and it's just – it's so this, – this day was the best – you know, we actually saw Joe Girardi make a good decision in pinch hitting for Brad Miller, which we haven't seen much this year. You know, Wheeler has been excellent as always. Uh, defense was really good. Uh, you know, Harper coming through. I mean – when, when Harper's hitting that gap-to-gap home run, that's when he's locked in. I mean, he's playing like an MVP right now, and, and when he's locked in hitting those home runs gap-to-gap, you know he's going to carry – he's going to be able to carry that team for a week. So, you know, I thought – you know, very – listen, I think the Phillies have to win this game tomorrow. I, I think this is a, actually a very, very important game because I think we're, we're three-and-a-half back or we'll be two-and-a-half back. They're three-and-a-half. The, the, the Braves lost today, so they're three-and-a-half back right. now, yeah. Yeah, if, if, they can go, if they can, you know, go into, into the Cubs series two-and-a-half back, I mean, after the Cubs, I think we're at 17 games with teams under 500. So, you know, listen, I think there's a very cautious optimism with the Phillies, but, again, the Phillies, you always have to be cautiously optimistic. Uh, real quick. No, well, Neil, really- real quick before you get – I'll let you get to your next point, but how scared were you when Alvarado came in to face Blackman with the bases loaded? Didn't that feel like this could be another disastrous loss all over again there? I was in Section 326, and I turned to the person behind me, and I rolled my eyes, and like I had that feeling of, like, like the pit of my stomach just left. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. And and it was it was that feeling of, and, and then Naris came in, and I know Naris is you know when he's not, I mean he's got seven blown saves this year, but but when he comes in pre ninth inning he's okay. But 
when I saw him come in, I'm like, not 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 on this day of all days right. we screw up the bullpen. Right. But it was a um, it, no, it was a uh, you know they listen. Wheeler is really the ace of the staff. I mean, I, he he's been phenomenal. Um, but I want to go back to the Eagles. Something real quick. Um, do you think if if this team, I think they're a seven eight win team. I but I think this division, the NFC East, can be won eight or nine games. I don't think there's anybody in this division that's going to jump out you know, and win 11, 12 games. My question is this. This team goes 9-8, and eight, makes the playoffs as a wild card. Do you think that's going to give false hope, in a sense, to Howie Rosa that this team is better than they actually are? And I ask that because, you know, you know how, as you said, Howie Rosen likes to do a lot of the, uh, you know, self, you know, putting his chest out and always sort of taking that passive-aggressive dig, and now he's won a Super Bowl. But I wonder, though, if, if this team actually sort of is 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight, but makes the playoffs, do you think it buys into – do you think he's now going to create a narrative this team is better than they actually is? And I say that because the owner this year was very explicit in saying this is a transition year and that the, the expectation should be lower. So if we actually go 8-9, nine, 9-8, nine and eight, do you think in a way it gives false optimism? Well, and I appreciate the cold, Neil. Thanks, man. I think it could, but it could be optimism that's warranted. And – you just got to see how the year plays out. Like, I don't think anybody knows yet. And to be honest, the Eagles don't know what to expect this year. Like, Howie Rosen, Jeffrey Lurie, if they if they were to tell you, you know, we know exactly what's going to happen. We know Nick Sirianni's going to be a good coach. We know Jalen Hurts will be a good quarterback. They'd be lying to you. They don't know. And you got to see how this season plays out. And I think that's, that's in some ways what's so refreshing and fun about this season is obviously you want to go in with Super Bowl aspirations every year in any sport you want to go in believing your team is a legitimate contender to win a championship but in reality that that's not always the case and that's not the situation the Eagles are in right now and if that's not the situation you're in I love going in with this kind of uncertainty where you know a 9-8 and eight season could be very refreshing, and this team could be very fun to watch. And um, the uncertainty surrounding it makes it so interesting where we're 10 hours away from kickoff, and I have no freaking idea what's going to happen. Like, really. Like, uh, I'm picking the Falcons 23-20, but who knows? I mean, maybe the Eagles do come out and – uh, you know, they've been saving all this stuff up in the preseason. And Jonathan Gannon is this ultra-creative defensive mind. And he's dialing up these blitzes that, that that are coming out of nowhere that are taking Matt Ryan by surprise. And Sirianni is running all this innovative stuff. And they're going up-tempo. And, and you know, the Atlanta defense is, is sucking for air. And the Eagles are, are putting up 28 points in the first half. Maybe. Or maybe it goes the other way. And the offense is inept, as we fear it could be. And the defensive pressure isn't getting home, and this secondary is getting picked apart. Like, either way, and obviously we prefer the former, but the lack of, the lack of knowledge and the lack of information really, to me, makes this season very interesting, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Uh, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, if you want to get in. And, you know, as we talked about a little in the first segment, 
this defensive line needs to be dominant for this team to have a real chance. And, uh, you know, we talk so much about the offensive line because of the issues that they had last year, and rightfully so, but in, in 2017, a lot of the reason why not just the Eagles' defense was successful, but a lot of the reason why the Eagles' defensive, you know, a lot of the reason why the Eagles' defense was successful that year, rather, was because the defensive line created so much. And I actually saw Elliot tweeted this out on uh, Saturday, and it was a good point where the Eagles, the last, it feels like the last few years, it feels like they're constantly playing from behind. And I think that put them in really bad situations where they get off to bad starts. And this has been a theme for years now, and hopefully it, it changes under new leadership and with a new roster. But when you're playing from behind, it puts more pressure on your quarterback. It puts more pressure on your play caller. And and it's so important that they get off to a good start. The best way to do that is by getting pressure on the quarterback and creating turnovers. And, you know, I, I as I said earlier, in this game, that's where I think the Eagles have the biggest advantage. And when you look at this year, I mean, I, I even though I have them losing the opener, I still think this is a 9-8 and eight team. And I think Sirianni and Hurts are going to be decent. Obviously, there are going to be growing pains. Um, First-year head coach, for all purposes, a first-year quarterback. I mean, Jalen Hurts a little bit of time last year, but for the most part, a first-year quarterback. Um but in the end, I'm confident on both guys. And I'm interested, day of the game, we asked a number of times, but hours away from kickoff now, how confident are you in Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts? Because in the end, that's where this season is going to be made or where it's going to be broken, is those two guys. Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you skeptical? Um, I want to know how you're feeling about Sirianni and Hurts as we go into game one. And give me your wins predictions for this season, uh, as this is my final show, obviously, uh, before the Eagles kick off on Sunday. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Had a couple guys drop off, so we have open lines right now. If you would like to get in, you'll be next up, um, so it'll be a good time. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, with you on a Saturday night into a Sunday morning. I didn't get to watch a lot of college football on Saturday. Uh, I was working down at the Phillies and just, you know, was, um, I, and before I left for, for that, I was, you know, busy with baby stuff, and I've, I've been hooked on this show, The White Lotus on HBO Max, or, well, HBO, I guess. Have you seen this, Dan? Or no, you? I haven't even heard it's, of it. It's actually. a very interesting show. I see Mike in South Philly's on the line. I'll have to uh, see if Mike has checked this one out. But it's a, like all these people are on vacation at a hotel in Hawaii, and it's very weird. The characters are very odd, but it's a very funny show. It, it's it's very entertaining. And it's on HBO, you said? Yeah. So well, Maybe I'll check it out. Check that out. So I was watching that, but... The, it looks like it was crazy day in college football. A ton of favorites went down. But the craziest thing I saw was this incident in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium with a cat. Now, 
a cat. I don't know how this happened. I don't know if this was a a joke or if it was. It's not a very funny joke. But a cat fell from, like, the upper deck onto the lower, the concourse area, I suppose. And it was caught, and very fitting, you know, on a day, 20 years anniversary of 9-11, you know, and, and... in general, that's just, it's crazy to me. It's been 20 years since 9-11. Everybody remembers exactly where they were. Um, I was a freshman in high school in in class at the time when we learned. And just, you know, uh, all throughout sports and everywhere, great gestures uh, to thank the men and women who have fought for the country and, and certainly those who sacrificed that day. Um But this cat was caught with an American flag uh, as as it plummeted like 30 feet. And the cat did survive. Do you see this video? I saw the video, but I didn't read further into the context of where the cat is believed to have come from or like what led up to it or the backstory or anything like that. That I do not know. Um, But it's a crazy video. It did spurn a, a, a gripe from me, though. And this is just... Something that I've I've seen, uh, I don't like when people refer to themselves as like cat moms or dog moms or cat dads or dog dads. That's not even like, just a social media gripe. That's just a right. society gripe. Yeah, exactly. So and and like I don't even care if you view them as your children. I know not everybody has children, and and if you view your pets that way, that's fine. I just don't like I just don't like the phrase. Maybe that makes me a bad guy. Maybe I don't that... think it makes you a bad guy. It is a funny phrase. Like, oh, I'm a cat mom. I'm yeah. A, I'm, a dog, I'm a dog mom. You know? I, yeah, I don't care for it. I, I don't care for it. Well, I, I don't think it's the phrase that does it for me. It's usually the attitude that goes with it. Hmm. Like, usually, like, I'm, I'm not general. I don't want to make a general sweeping statement about cat moms, but sometimes there's a little bit of a uh, an attitude that goes with being a cat mom or a dog mom. Perhaps. Well, you're, say, you're saying you're saying people. Women who refer to themselves as not cat just moms women or, or, or cat dads. That what you're saying? No, no, or cat dads. It was not a gender well, thing. That's what it's seen. It, it, it's not a. No, it's we're not turning it that way, here, Dan. You better we're, be we're not. We're not turning it that way. Cat. Hey, cat, I'm, not, I'm not turning it anyway. Yeah, I, cat, cat dads or dog dads. I, people just in general with their like. I'm not a big pet guy myself, but I like. I laugh every time. Like my friends, a lot of them have dogs, and the way they uh, do. You have pets at I all? Do, I don't. Okay, I don't. the way like. I'll sit there and watch a grown, I mean, 23, but grown adult now, like young adult, and sit there and talk to their dog, and they sound like idiots. Like, they, yeah. they talk to them like they're a baby, like you would talk to your one-year-old, and I, like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, no one else is hearing this but the dog, and I don't know if the dog cares for your, you know, like, stupid little phrases or whatever like that. So it's just people in general with their pets. I'll, I'll widen it to that. Not a gender thing, not even a cat mom or a de- cat dad type of thing. People with their pets need to cool it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I just in general like dogs. I don't mind. I don't understand why people would want to have a cat. I don't understand the appeal of having a cat. I just don't. Seems like, dogs are fun at least. Like, what do cats do? Like, what do they do? What do they do that adds? You know. Well, I don't want to say value now. Now I'm really well. No, they're not. Well, they they don't need to be walked the same way a dog does. I guess it's. But exactly, like at least a dog. Well, it's lower maintenance, I suppose. But what do they? How do you forge an emotional connection with a cat? Like how, well, cats so how do don't you, have emotions. I feel like. 
Well, they're... people get into super emotional connections with their dogs. Yeah, but dogs are are loving. Dogs give you that kind of um, that kind of response. Cats don't don't give you any of that. They they seem to not even want anything to do with you. Maybe I just have met some some bad cats. I don't know. But now cat cats can be. I think it's. I think it's the the pet for the low maintenance person. I, th- I think is the take there. But huh. people who talk about their pets and create social media, ca- that's a social media great, by the way. People who create social media accounts Whoa. for their pets. That's that's just, that's ridiculous. Oh, it is. have you not seen this? Like, I, I have, but it's, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, that's, that's. That, that's really what I was getting at. Way Not, too far. It, it's way too far. People with the pets and people who talk weird to their dogs and stuff like that. Like, whatever. It, uh, it's over the top. I, I agree. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, see Mike. They got it at the break here. Mike in South Philly will be first right after the break. And then you if you'd like to join. Talking Eagles-Falcons. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the Phillies as well uh, coming up here. I'm Tom Kelly. Uh, with you on a Saturday into Sunday, Week One NFL starting today, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly, with you on a football Sunday morning. Get a tweet here uh, from somebody on Twitter. Uh, McQuiggan is his uh, his name. At Quiggs73. And he sends me a gif uh, of a cat with an American flag in the background. Hashtag God bless America and that cat. And the picture of the cat is very funny. So, I don't know. Uh, Funny, funny gif from this guy. So (laughs) He just sent it to you? Thanks for sending that along to me, uh, Quiggs. I I appreciate that. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. But what your Eagles-Falcons predictions um, and by the way, big uh, contract given out on Saturday to Jordan Malata. Four years, I believe, $64 million for Jordan Malata. And in a few minutes, I want to get a little little deeper into that um, in regards to Jordan Malata and his, his road uh, to the NFL and his development with the Eagles because it's certainly a, a pretty impressive success story and speaks well of Milata, speaks well of the Eagles coaching staff, and speaks well of the organization. Have the foresight to draft him where they did um, and and develop him uh, the way that they have. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in, but want your predictions for Eagles-Falcons later on today. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? What's happening, man? How you doing? No, I think, if anything, Jordan Milata's contract – Extension is a testament to probably the best coach the Eagles have and Jeff Stoutland. You know, um, they're very lucky to keep him, uh, you know, on two, through two coach turnovers now. And um, it really is almost an unprecedented story. I mean, he really literally didn't play. He didn't even know what American football was until he came in the United States. He didn't – it's not like he played high school ball or – he did – they just – his first ever ball he's ever played was NFL football. And – I mean, he, he has played pretty damn well. And he looks like he's one of the highest ceiling offensive tackles in football right now. Yeah, man, it's it's really crazy. And, I mean, that speaks to what the Eagles think of him moving forward, that they give him that kind of contract. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the outs are or whatever. I'd assume there would be some. But, 
I mean, that's 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 a lot of money to commit to a guy who was a seventh round pick a couple of years ago. Oh, right. Absolutely. But I think like it was worth the gamble because if, if he plays like I think he has a chance to, he, I mean, he's going to get he's going to be arguably the highest paid offensive tackle in the league, considering his age and his athleticism. So you pay a premium, but also, you know, a year from now it could also be a bargain because, you know, you're going to have, um, you know, they're going to there's going to be a lot of roster turnover the next couple of years. I mean, who knows? I mean, they have a lot of dead money as it is, but um, it, it always helps getting him locked up. And honestly, um, you know, ever since I saw his athleticism, I thought he had a chance to be one of the better, you know, offensive tackles in football. I think Ms. Rob Ellis, I told last year, I said, um, I said at some, I think I made a prediction. It was something like, uh, at some point in Jordan Mylotta's career, he will be considered the best left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible, Mike. Like like you said, for him to not have played until what two years ago and then what he did last year like when he was in there last year he was he, he played really well and I th- I you'd think that he'd only continue to improve like he doesn't he doesn't seem like a guy to me who now that he's got paid is just gonna pack it in and and you know be content I think he's gonna want to keep getting better and and I think he will you ever see that rugby video of him he's running people he looked like George Costanza when he was running out when the built when the, you know the, the room caught on fire and he was knocking everybody over the old lady over that's what he looked like when he was playing rugby just knocking people over who were like you know three times smaller than he was I mean he's a really big athletic guy I love him yeah I don't, I, I, by don't yeah, I mean I don't know if you've ever heard this idea before Mike but maybe you should put him a fullback you know I know I'm, I'm the first one to suggest that but, oh yeah yeah <laughs> maybe that's something they could try from time to time but I'm glad week one is here. Now we just got to get this stupid hot weather the heck on out of here and get fall. I, I love, I'm such a big fan of fall. It's my favorite time of the year, fall. And I even, I even like winter. I prefer winter to um, the summer. I know people, when the winter gets here, you know how your, um, your pet peeve is people complaining about the uh, staying up late? My pet peeve is people complaining about the cold because you can always put on another jacket. But in the summer when it's like 105 degrees and it's humid and you've got to be outside, there's nothing you can do. I mean, you could walk out naked and there's nothing you can do about it. And people are smelly and they're gross. So falls around the corner. I'm excited for NFL week one. And um, as far as the Eagles Falcons go, you know, <clears throat> I think probably going to give the edge to Atlanta. Although I will say this, you know, I haven't been high on the Eagles um, pretty much all off season. I don't think they're going to have a great year, but I will say this. I actually think from top to bottom in terms of rosters, the Falcons are probably one of the teams that the Eagles actually have a better roster from top to bottom then particularly because they're better on the lines, significantly better on the lines. But the problem is I think the Falcons are better at the most important position in the sport, and that's quarterback. Now, Hurts, you know, by the end of the season, I wouldn't bet on it, but I'm not saying it's impossible that by the end of the 2021 season you could look at it and say, oh, Hurts, you know, is now a better quarterback than Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan could age overnight and Hurts could really blossom. But as it stands right this minute, there's no question that Matt Ryan, as of right this second, is a more proven, better quarterback than Hurts. And also I probably would give the, uh, the edge to Arthur Smith merely because, you know, the offense in Tennessee was his show and it was not the case in Indianapolis with Sirianni since Reich was an offensive guy. Um, but the same thing again, Sirianni could prove to be a better coach at the end of the year. But as of right now, I'm giving the Falcons the edge at the two most important parts of a football team, being quarterback and coach. And even though I think the Eagles probably have a deeper, more talented roster overall, I just um, and the Falcons are at home. I'm going to just kind of like you, I'm giving them a very slight edge. Yeah, no, I kind of see it the same way, Mike. And and that's the th- like Ryan is certainly better than Jalen Hurts right now. But the thing that the Eagles have working in their advantage is 
you know where Matt Ryan's going to be. Like, yeah. you know he's not going anywhere. If you can push that pocket, get him off his spot, maybe you can create some kind of turnovers. And that's why, you know, I'd expect Atlanta's game plan early on, too, to be very, you know, uh, get the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands quick because I think they're they're probably worried about that Eagles defensive line wreaking havoc. Oh, yeah, and some of the Eagles' wins over the last several years against Atlanta – um, you know, there were, you know, obviously in the, uh, in the playoffs in 2017 and then the year after in week one, the, the Eagles defensive line played really well against him. I mean, they really did a good job. And, you know, when you get pressure up the middle against Matt Ryan, he's, he's in a lot of trouble because he can't step up in the pocket. I mean, he has some, he's a little nimble, but I mean, he's not going to be running all over the place. Um, so I'm actually going to be quite disappointed if Fletcher Cox and Hargrave, particularly since you, all I've heard all camp is Hargrave has been the best player on, on the Eagles entire roster. Like, he's had a dominant camp and a dominant in joint practices. So if him and Fletcher Cox cannot dominate against a kind of subpar Falcons offensive line, you're going to be disappointed. But honestly, Tom, the, as, as talented as the Eagles defensive line is, they had some games in the past couple of years where you would expect them to do a lot more. Remember, they had those games where they just you didn't hear a peep from them. You know, going up against like a weak Giants offensive line and, you know, some of the weaker offensive lines, and all of a sudden, you know, Fletcher Cox would be invisible. So, you know, maybe under Gannon will ignite something in them. But, um, you know, they've had some big games. But overall, I think as talented as they are, they've been inconsistent. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And I think another big thing, Mike, for the Eagles is, like, I'm not really worried about them stopping the run. I think they'll be be fine stopping the run in this game. And that's going to be important because – if you can get Atlanta into third and longs where they can't just get the ball out quick, that's where you can really create problems for them. And I think that's going to be a really important thing is the Eagles defense on early downs, just making sure they keep the Falcons in third and long situations, because I think that that'll, that'll give them opportunities to create turnovers and, and, Let's face it, this defense over the past couple yeah. of years just has not created nearly enough turnovers. No, your boy, big play slay. <laughs> but yeah. who, who do you think they're going to put on Kyle Pitts? I don't, I don't know. I would consider at times, like, and I don't like Maddox on the outside. I also don't think he's good enough or he's big enough to cover Pitts, but maybe you move Steven Nelson on him at times. Like, I, you yeah. need to do – you need to do something because you don't have, obviously, a linebacker can't cover Kyle Pitts. Maybe you bracket him with a linebacker or safety, but, like, he's not a guy who it's going to take a while to figure out in the pros. Like, I, that's probably my biggest concern is that Kyle Pitts just comes out and, and just explodes onto the scene t- tomorrow, and he ends up being the difference in the game. Yeah, from everything I know about and Anthony Harris, he's more of like a, a free state, you know, uh, like an open field, um, deep cover safety. You know, um, I don't think he's going to be the guy you're going to match up one-on-one uh, with Kyle Pitts. So, I mean, it very well could be one of the cornerbacks. I'm really looking forward to that, too, see what Devontae Smith does. Um, so, I, I just – I love watching and seeing how rookies play. Um, I wanted to say this, though, just in, in, in regards to, um, you know, the – because I watch college football, too, as well. And obviously, there's no secret that the Eagles have been sniffing around quarterbacks, and this is going to be kind of like a, um, you know, a tryout year for Jalen Hurts. Look, as much as I've campaigned for them to trade for Watson or Wilson or what have you, uh, probably not Rodgers because I just don't think he fits their timeline. But I will say this. I would rather keep Jalen Hurts next year than draft one of the quarterbacks in the first round because, Tom, this quarterback draft class sucks. It is bad. Spencer Rattler is so overrated. Willis, I I don't know about that. I've seen him play a little bit. I wasn't super high on him. 
But I've, I've been watching because I've been paying extra attention this year because the Eagles could very well be, you know, in the market for a quarterback a year from now or, you know, coming, you know going up in uh, March or in, or in April of next year. I'm just not impressed at all with any of these quarterbacks. So if I, if I had to choose between bring even without seeing Jalen Hurts play one down in this upcoming season yet, I would rather have Jalen Hurts in 2022 than them waste a first-round pick next year on an overrated crappy draft class. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I don't know enough about them, Mike. I'm not going to lie; I haven't seen enough about the the quarterbacks yet. But I mean, time's going to tell. We'll we'll see what Hurts does this year, and we'll see if they're going to be in the market for a quarterback. But but real quick, Mike, yeah. I wanted to commend you real quick um, because I listened the other night to a lot of John Show. Yeah. Um, the the night Big Daddy had passed, and I thought mm-hmm. your call was tremendous, so I wanted to commend you on that call. I thought you honored Big Daddy in a, in a, in a tremendous way on, on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, Big, Big Daddy meant a lot to me. You know, I've been calling WIP for a while. I don't exactly remember the first year I called, um, but I know Big Daddy. If he wasn't the first host I called, he was one of the first. And, um, you know, we had a lot of conversations over the years, and um, and it was about everything. You know, I just – that's one of the th- reasons I love talking about uh, – talking to Big Daddy so much is because it wasn't, like, formulaic. It wasn't like you call in, you talk sports, you hang up, and, then, you know, you go – like, it was like just sitting down with a friend and just talking about life, just talking about everything. And he would talk about that with any caller who called in. And, um, I mean, I'm really going to miss him. It was a shame uh, what happened to him and – you know, for a guy who loved life as much as Big Daddy, and I think that's like a cliche people use whenever somebody passes. You go, oh, they love life. And um, to be honest, probably some people don't love life. Some people are probably miserable. But, no, Big Daddy genuinely did. Like, he was always an upbeat, um, you know, gregarious personality. And, um, and you know, when he suffered that injury a couple years ago, like, I, I knew that just had to have been so difficult on him, not being able to be, you know, his typical energetic, active self. And, um yeah, I'm going to miss him, but at the same time, and I know some people who know more than I do said this as well, like just he's not suffering anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, d- definitely, Mike. Anyway, take care, Tom. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Th- thank you for uh, the- those thoughts again. And, yeah, I mean, Mike Mike talked to Big Daddy. I remember talking to, Mike, talking to Mike when I was producing for Big Daddy and, and you know, pu- listening to Mike's calls of Big Daddy, and he's right. And I, like, and I wanted to play this real quick because uh, – you know, the the tribute that, uh, I, again, I'll encourage everybody to listen to the tribute that Rob and Mike, Rob Cherry and Mike Angelina put together um, because it's it's tremendous in, in regards to, to Big Daddy and what he meant to the station and what he meant to the city. But um, I wanted to play you real quick. This was Big Daddy's open to his show the day after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And to me, this is just such a part of the reason why Big Daddy was so great at, at what he did. Um, and here was Big Daddy, uh, the, the first couple minutes of his show, the night the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to the uh, the Big Daddy Graham show. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you, uh, except uh, I, I may be. I'm not exactly sure who's uh, older, uh, me or Howard Eskin. I, I, I really don't know. I know we're in the uh, the same ballpark. But we would uh, be the two oldest guys here at this station who never lived anywhere else but Philadelphia, which is me. I've never lived anywhere else but Philadelphia. This has been a dream come true for me, even having the opportunity to work at this station. Now, I'm serious. I've loved talk radio my whole life. 
and to be able to come on, technically speaking, if you don't count, you know, uh, Rob and, and everybody, because they're like the post-game show, I'm technically the very first host on the air after the Eagles win their first Super Bowl ever. My old man's been dead for a long, 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 long time. But he was around for 10 Super Bowls before he passed on. Now, my old man was a serious, serious football fan, played semi-pro football when that really meant a lot. And he really only truly cared about two teams, the Eagles and the Phillies. And when the Phillies won in 80, me and my brother met in McGillan's and had a drink and and toasted uh, the old man, even though virtually none of us got along with him. Who cares? It didn't matter. Uh, And I'll be damned if I didn't think about him a little bit after uh, after the game ended tonight. And so this is for you tonight, you and all your dads and your granddads and your uncles and your moms. Because, you know, my my wife and, and Ava in particular and my other daughter is a, a baseball fan before she is a, a football fan. But, of course, she's watching the game today. But my, my daughter and Ava, they, they watch every game they have for years and years and years. So I don't want to leave out the mothers either. And the grandmothers either. All I'm expecting to do tonight, I'm going to tell you flat out, is push buttons. This is absolutely your show tonight, not mine. We may have some guests calling in from time to time. Who knows? Uh, But this is your show, not my show. This is your time. You've been waiting for most of you listening your entire life. Well, no, I'm sorry. What am I saying? Everybody listening has been waiting their entire life to win a Super Bowl. I was getting confused with 1960 there for a second. I know there are some people up uh, and listening who were around for the 60 championship, but let's face it, not to take anything away from any NFL championships, the game really exploded with the advent of the Super Bowl. And I thought in that instance... Big Daddy captured the thoughts of of everybody so well, and that's how you, like, he was so authentically Philadelphia and the way that he can just relate to people. And, you know, the way he brings up his dad, and I, I, you know, is, is so poignant in that moment because I know that's something that I'm sure a lot of people were thinking at the time. I can tell you it's something I was thinking at the time. I mean, my my dad passed away when I was 15 years old, and it was like one of the first things I thought of when the Eagles won the Super Bowl was, oh, I wish my dad had seen this. And I think that was one of Big Daddy's greatest, you know, skills and just one of the things that he was best at as not just a radio host, but – but as a person, just just who would know how to relate to people, and he was so authentic in every way. And I thought opening his show, basically, you know, not talking about anything from the game, not talking about Brandon Graham and the strip sack, not talking about you know the Zach Ertz touchdown or anything like that. But but capturing the emotions of the moment, um, I, I I thought that was just tremendously done. 
uh, in every way, and that was that was Big Daddy at his best. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Dave in Cherry Hill. What's up, Dave? Hey, good morning. How's it going, Dave? All right. How are you? Not bad. What's going on? I wanted to say a few words about Big Daddy. Uh, I listened to him for since uh, he came on uh, many years. I didn't call a lot, but every once in a while. But one of the things that made him different, and one of the things that made him really a great host was that he appreciated that the show is about the callers and not about the host. And if he, if he let the caller, callers uh, uh, glorify themselves and be themselves and uh, entertain, then he'd have a good show. And he, he talked to people like uh, Roger or people that might have been dismissed by many other hosts as being not with it, he made them the show. He made them the entertainment, and he had a talk for for four hours. and uh, And he needed people like that to to make his show because he gets tired of one person or the host talking all the time. So that was uh, one of his great uh, things. And and one other thing about him, his creativity that you had mentioned. He he uh, brought up all these um, the different uh, themes. And uh, one thing that he brought up very near the end of his uh, tenure that he never got a chance to do, which really seemed interesting, which I have never heard about anywhere else, was he was going to switch and call the callers rather than the callers call him. <laughs> so that would have been really interesting, and uh, I, I don't really think it would have worked, but uh, I'd love to have heard it. Yeah, it would have, <laughs> that would have been interesting to say the least, Dave, to put the callers on the spot like that. Maybe right. yeah. In the middle of the night, you're yeah. going to call people, too. <laughs> <laughs> that would, uh, that, that, that's a heck of an idea. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, he had regulars, and I guess he knew they'd be awake. And, and uh, Mike was, of course, one of them, and uh, an important one. And uh, there were many others. There, the Walmart guy. No, we, yeah. So, okay. So that was one of the things I wanted to say about Big Daddy. Um, and uh, about the Eagles, though, uh, I really think they're going to win the game against Atlanta. I think they're going to pretty much control the ball. I think that uh, I have a lot of faith in Hertz that he will run it and pass it accurately, short passes and long passes. The threat is always there. And uh, they're going to score. And that is going to be the difference. Keep keeping the ball from Pitt and Ryan. So, so you think the Eagles will be able to control the ball, Dave? You think you're not seeing a ton of big plays, I guess, but you're seeing you're just moving the chains, uh, kind of bleeding that clock and getting the stops when they need them. I see that. Yes. Okay. And, and the threat of the long ball is going to be there too with their receivers, Watkins and Smith. Yeah. Well, it'll be exciting to see for sure, Dave. Yeah, and uh, I think that um, they'll win. I'm predicting 24-17 favor of the Eagles. All right. Uh, so that's that. Sounds good, Dave. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And Dave brought some, and, and I can't believe it's an hour, 26 minutes in. We still haven't even mentioned Devontae Smith yet. I can't wait to watch Devontae Smith tomorrow. I mean, we haven't really seen him. We saw him for, what, a few plays in the New England game, but wasn't even out there with Hurts. A little bit of time with Joe Flacco when none of the other offensive starters were playing. I can't wait to see Devontae Smith. 
on on Sunday and the unknown of this team man I'm I'm really excited for it and I, you know I, I I kind of I'm already regretting picking against them I mean obviously I don't really give a damn if my picks right I just want the Eagles to win um but I think the Eagles can absolutely win this game and uh you know it's just I just have no idea what's going to happen and then that part of it that part of it is making this really exciting. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, um, I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Coming up in the next segment, very exciting, our first weekly preview of the year, uh, where this has become a thing on our Saturday night shows where uh, me and whoever's producing the show, usually Dan, uh, used to be, you know, Caesar and Kyle, and now now Dan's usually in there on Saturday nights. We'll go through and predict uh, the week one games. We'll look at the lines. We'll give you some picks. I do have a parlay that I, I don't believe can lose on Sunday. So I will give that to you um, that I will be wagering on myself. So, uh, you know, if you want to uh, possibly win some money, but probably lose some money because I'll just because I say can't lose, it probably will lose. Uh, But I'll give you that in the next segment. We'll go through all these games and and preview all of them. So that's coming up next. Um, But I I did want to real quick get a little more into the Jordan Mulata contract and uh, what happened on Saturday. Now, if you didn't hear Jordan Mulata signed, to a four-year, I think they're calling it a $64 million extension. You never know with NFL money because it's not guaranteed. There are always outs within a contract and certain things where money can be offset. I don't know what exactly the money is for Jordan Mulata's contract, but the Eagles sign him to a very, very significant extension. And... A tremendous story. Kid comes over from Australia. I mean, I don't know. Australia is the farthest place away from where we are now, right? Like That or New Zealand, one okay. of the two. They're, right. like, a entirely other side of the world. Right. Like, time zone, like, the. I think it's, like, 20, forget the day. they're, like, 24 hours ahead of Hawaii, I okay. think it is. It's like, there's the international date lines, they literally skip a day. It's nuts. But, yeah, they are very, very far. So Jordan Mulata gets signed to an extension after coming over here as a rugby player, you know, decides he wants to try his hand in American football, and <laughs> turns out that was a good decision by Jordan Mulata. Um, and it's a testament to everybody. Jordan Mulata, the Eagles organization, the Eagles coaching staff for developing him, Doug Peterson, and – Jeff Stoutland absolutely deserves credit. Who Jeff Stoutland, you know, as as Mike and South Philly pointed out, maybe the best coach the Eagles have. I mean, you know, you're a good coach when you're staying on through multiple coaching staffs. I mean, he originally hired by Chip in 2013, stays on with Doug, now stays on with Nick Sirianni, and you could tell the Eagles really wanted to keep Jeff Stoutland when they were making uh, these coaching changes. So. Jeff Stoutland's done a tremendous job. But the problem that I have, and this is where people just can't get over 
their biases and their agendas. Is when when people will say, well, this is, I mean, Jordan Mulata gets credit. Jeff Stoutland gets credit. Howie Roseman gets no credit for the Jordan Mulata pick. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that, okay? Like, it just doesn't work like that where you can rip Howie Roseman for everything he does wrong. And, hey, I am a Howie Roseman supporter. I think you can do a hell of a lot worse than Howie is a GM in this league. I mean, there are a lot of guys running organizations, whether it's Dave Gettleman, whether it's Ryan Pace, they're bad general managers. They're guys you don't want heading your football operations department. That being said, Howie Rosen has made some mistakes. Absolutely. And some of the draft picks have been bad draft picks. I am more than willing to admit that. Whether it's, you know, uh, Jalen Rager, um, whether it's Andre Dillard, obviously, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, whatever you want to put on Howie in that regard, feel free. I mean, and I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to tell you that every draft pick is great and that Howie doesn't deserve any criticism. But, and I've seen and heard this quite a bit on Saturday, is, you know, that, that you can blame Howie for the bad picks, and that's fine, but you got to give him credit for the good ones. And it doesn't fly to say, oh, well, you know, you missed on Andre Dillard, and it doesn't matter that you drafted Jordan Mulata in the seventh round. He got lucky. No, 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 no. It can be both. Like, Andre Dillard's a bad pick, and does Jordan Mulata necessarily make up for missing on Andre Dillard? I, I guess it doesn't completely make up for it because he could have drafted another position. He got another, couldn't got another player. But if the net result is you end up with a top 10 left tackle in football, then that's a pretty decent result. And it's not just getting lucky. And it's not just the coaching staff, you know, being credited. And it's not just Jordan Mulata being credited. Certainly, they deserve a, a lot of the credit. But you also got to credit Howie Rosen. And this is where the biases with people, and I've talked about this many times this offseason, where it just colors people's view of the organization, and in a way that's just not fair and not based in reality. If you're going to point out the bad, you got to acknowledge the good. And if you're going to acknowledge the good things, then you gotta you got to point out and acknowledge the bad things. And that's one thing I feel I've been fair with is I'll rip Howie for the bad moves. I mean, and I'll tell you when he's made bad draft choices but on the other side people who don't like Howie Roseman you got to give him credit when he makes a Jordan Mulata pick you know when if you're going to point out Danny Watkins fair totally fair got to point out Jason Kelsey like those late round picks are more than just luck Um, and saying that Howie doesn't deserve any credit for Jordan Mulata it's just idiotic like there's really there's really nothing else to be said about it. I mean, it's it. I just don't. I just don't know how people can view it that way, personally. So. Yeah, it's you can't. You can't only. Like, you can't. You can't have it both ways. Well, I mean, you can. I guess yeah. You can't have it both ways. You can't say well, he gets ripped all, entirely for one side of the pick, 
like an Andre Dillard, but not for a Jordan Mailata. I mean, you do one. The only thing I would, and this is just playing devil's advocate because I agree with what you're saying. The only, I guess, devil's advocate position would be that they never really liked. Like Jordan Mailata was the seventh round draft pick the year after they won the Super Bowl. At the time, I was like, all right, this is totally a flyer. They wouldn't even try this type of project. It's the type of project you try when you just win the Super Bowl because there are literally no stakes. It's like an N1 in basketball. Like You're not expected to make it. And anything above this guy being nothing because he hadn't played a snap of real American football in his life is going to be beneficial. And they totally, like, I don't think anyone, including Jeff Stoutland, including Howie Roseman in that room, could have even realistically projected that he would turn into half of this. Sure. But, but, th- th- and that's my thing, but it worked out. And it did work out. So they deserve credit for outkicking their own coverage. Right. And that's why, regardless of what the thinking was at the time, yeah, they deserve credit now. And to not give them credit now, I mean, it's nothing but petty and uh, ag- agenda driven. I mean, let's face it's it. It's true. It, it's, it's having an agenda and not wanting to be wrong when, you know, sometimes you're wrong. The fr- you the just admit you're wrong. The frustrating part is that whenever they, it seems like, Howie Rosen more often than not when they draft players with expectations that those aren't the ones that work out, that they maybe are good at finding these diamonds in the rough late. Sure, and that's fair. And, and that's and so when they pass up on other prime talent that succeed on other teams on Sundays, that seems to come back and bite them more so than the late-round picks who, yeah, they luck out. Not luck out. on They get credit for, but they benefit from when the picks in higher in the draft might be higher stakes. Yeah. So it's not always even. In yeah. this particular case, it turned out to be a net even. Yeah, and that and that's fair, but all I'm saying is if you're going to point out the bad, that's fine. Uh, you also got to give credit where it's due. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we will preview the Week 1 NFL slate. Look at all the games. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, Eagles, Falcons today at 1 o'clock. Merrill and Mike with the call right here on WIP. Um, So uh, make sure you're tuned in. Uh, But now it's time for us to do our first weekly preview of the year. Our NFL Week 1 preview. And the other night, I mean, just to recap what happened Thursday, a tremendous game to get things started on Thursday night with the Bucks and the boys as Tampa Bay beats the Cowboys 31-29. Tom Brady leads the Bucks down for a game-winning field goal uh, to end it. Um, and a tremendous win for the Bucs. Uh, I would say this. If you're a Cowboys fan, though, I'd actually be encouraged. After the other night, defense didn't look good. You knew the defense wasn't going to be good, um, but Dak looks healthy. And if Dak, if Dak's healthy, you know they, that Cowboys offense is going to score a ton of points. And I think this bodes well for them uh, in this division. And I think this only solidifies the fact the Cowboys are the favorites in the NFC East going into this season. But uh, let's preview the games for Sunday now. Um, And we will start with the Steelers and Bills in Buffalo. Bills giving up six and a half over under of 48 and a half here. Uh, I don't love this game anyway from a betting perspective. 
maybe the over, but I see maybe a little sloppiness from Buffalo early. Steelers maybe getting off to a quick start. I don't I don't even know why I feel that way just week one, and I feel like it's going to be one of those weird games. But I think this is one. Bills storm back late. I'll take the Bills like 27-24, something like that. So I like I pick the Bills uh, even with the spread. It's a hefty spread, minus six and a half. Yeah, uh, I do like them by a touchdown. If you're into betting trends and things like that, they were six and two at home against the spread last year. Uh, I think the Bills are one of the favorites again in the AFC this year. Not a huge believer in the Steelers or Big Ben at this state in his career. I like the Bills by at least a touchdown. Okay, uh, we'll move on. Jets and Panthers, the Sam Darnold revenge game, if you will. Panthers giving up three and a half, over under 45 and a half. Um, I like the Panthers to win the game. I probably would like them to cover. I mean, I, I I was just talking about this with Mike the other night. That's a game you don't really want to bet on because you just don't want to care about it. Like, I don't want to care about Jets-Panthers. Uh, but I do think the Panthers win this one. I'll go with, I don't know, I'll go with Panthers 23-14, something like that. I'm right around the same place. Uh, I had them covering the three and a half. The Jets, I mean, how could they not be improved from a year ago? Obviously, you know, they're going to have uh, a new quarterback under center there. But first game, a lot of things to be worked out. Sam Darnold, you would expect him to be motivated. Uh, us as Temple guys, Matt Rule fan, I, I do expect them to win this game and win it by probably a touchdown or so. But I, I think the three and a half is certainly manageable and will be covered, especially at home. Yeah, Jets are not a good team for sure. Next game, this is probably a red zone completely. Like, you'll see a, a, a play here or there. Trevor Lawrence does something interesting. Uh, but Jacksonville at Houston. Jacksonville giving up three and a half. Again, not a game I would bet on. I think if Houston's going to win, like, a few games this year, this is probably one they gotta, they need to get. Um I don't know why. I'm, the more this game is kind of approaching, the more I, I kind of think Houston's going to win this game. Am I really? crazy? No, I, uh, I don't know. I think the Texans stink. I Maybe it is a game that they could win. Obviously, it's game one of the Trevor Lawrence era. I'm not a huge Urban Meyer fan, per se. but I, I just stand think, Urban Meyer. I, I, so, yeah. I just think the Texans are bad. I think the, Jagu the Jaguars, it's probably an ugly game in a lot of respects, but I think the Jaguars win this one and I'll even take them maybe they don't cover because it is a minus three and a half and they are on the road here but I don't think the Texans bad teams usually find ways to cough games up like this especially early in the season the Texans probably have a chance to win it and then find a way to lose it yeah uh, so that'll be an interesting one Cardinals at Titans Titans giving up three at home over under 53 and a half so high over under here this is another one. It, I, I'm I'm picking a lot of week one weird results. I think the Titans are a much better team, but I don't know. I have a feeling the Cardinals go into Tennessee and win this one. I think this is actually one of the like underrated games of the week. Like obviously we're going to get into the late slate with the Packers and Saints. It's going to be Sunday a Sunday night game. Like this is a really zone. good game and it's a good red zone game and it's going up against the Eagles, so we're not going to see a ton of it. But I think it's actually a really really good game. The lines right at Titans minus three. I think that's pretty fair. I think it's two of the more exciting teams, established team. I mean, not like veterans, but you have two quarterbacks in Tannehill and uh, in Kyler Murray who are, I think, exciting watches and have proven that they have reason to believe in them in this league, and they're going up against each other. I think it's a good 1 o'clock game. I'll take the Titans to win because they're at home, and I think they'll probably win probably about a 
field goal, but it's probably a game that goes right down to the end. Mm -hmm. Eagles-Falcons, we already talked about that. Chargers at Washington football team. Washington giving up one and a half at home. I'll take the Chargers to win this one outright. So I I'll take Washington. I like Fitzpatrick early in the season. I'm not a long-term believer in Ryan Fitzpatrick, but if he's going to show anything in a game, it would be early in the season. We know he likes to play well in September. I think people are buy will buy back into the Fitzmagic idea. I don't think it'll last over the course of a season. Uh, but I do like Washington. But I am a Justin Herbert Justin Herbert believer. I'm actually starting him in fantasy tomorrow. So nice. it would be nice uh, if this game were close. And obviously better for the Eagles if the Chargers could find a way to win. Niners at Detroit. Niners giving up eight and a half. I know Jolly like Detroit here. I'm going to fade Jolly and go with San Francisco. I like San Francisco big in this one. Uh, I'll take the Niners by two touchdowns to beat Detroit. I actually liked Jolly's logic, which is that it's the 49ers on the road. I think they win the game. I don't think the Lions uh, are any good, but eight and a half on the road is a hefty spread. I think they'll win by like a touchdown. I think that's just a lot to cover in a week one game on the road for any team, quite frankly. So I'll take the Lions to cover the spread here. It might be a backdoor cover, but I don't like them. I don't like the 49ers covering the spread on the road in a week one game. Another one that we're all going to be interested in. Now, I don't know if we get a 1 o'clock CBS game, and I'm guessing we would get Pittsburgh and Buffalo, but we shouldn't. If they know what, what they're doing in, in in this city, we should get Seattle. Well, so and, both oh, 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 they're on Fox. Never mind. But, but both networks get the doubleheader tomorrow because okay. one. Right. Well, Seattle Colts, I forgot it's on Fox anyway, so it doesn't matter. But Colts giving up – or Colts three-point dogs at home. Carson Wentz debut. Give me the give, give me the Seattle. Give me Seahawks. the Seahawks. Yeah, for, for, for no reason other than picking against Carson Wentz. Right. Seahawks were obviously very good last year. No, I need the Seahawks blowing the Colts out in this one. Minnesota minus three at Cincinnati. This could be another weird one. I, I think that number's right about right. I wouldn't bet on that. I'd say I'd say Minnesota wins a close game on the road. They might, but I like the Bengals to cover this spread. Uh, three points at home. Joe Burrow returning uh, back under center for the Bengals. I, I like Cincinnati in this game, but I agree. I think it's close. Battle of the Alabama quarterbacks in New England. Miami getting three in New England. Uh, I think the Dolphins are a better team. I'm not as high on New England as most people. I'll take the Dolphins here. Yeah, I just don't think two is any good. I don't know what we're going to see out of Mac Jones. I think it's obviously a cool storyline, but I like the Patriots uh, at home in, in this game. Although, historically, it's the Dolphins that Belichick struggles with, right? Like, that's the one team within the division. So, so it could be close, but I think I like the Pats in this game. I don't think Tua plays that well. Okay, Browns at Chiefs. Maybe the game of the day. Chiefs giving up five and a half at home. Um, I'll take the Chiefs to win, but I think this is going to be a tight game. I like the Browns covered. I do too. I think Chiefs win by three to four points. I think that five and a half is a little lofty, especially for them at home. I think it seems like, oh, they'll just win by a touchdown, but I like the Browns to cover in this game as well. The Chiefs will find a way to win week one, and I know they shouldn't really have things that they're working out. Obviously, it's Patrick Mahomes, the guy played in the preseason. Uh, Andy Reid, week one, I believe, has a very, very strong record. Usually when he's long times to prepare for teams, he does fairly well in those games. But I'm with you. I think this game's close. I'll go with the Browns to cover. Broncos at Giants. Broncos giving up three on the road. Uh, I think it's a tight game, but uh, but I'll take the Broncos to win it. Would not would not bet on it, however. Yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot of games not, tomorrow. Not, there aren't really. That you would put a ton of money on because I think a lot of them – should be close, and there's a lot of unknowns. I do have my money line parlay before we. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll get to here. that in a second. I like the Broncos to win this game too. All right, uh, Green Bay at New Orleans. Green Bay giving up three and a half against New Orleans. 
Uh, this is a weird one. I kind of have a feeling Jameis is going to pull pull this one out of his uh, out of his hat tomorrow. Well, it's a weird game also because they're playing this in Jacksonville right, because right, of the right. storm. So it's not in New Orleans. They're not in the dome. I'll take the Packers. I think it's a huge break for them not having to play this game in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then the Sunday night game, terrible Sunday night game. Bad job by the schedulers here. Uh, Andy Dalton and the Bears at the Rams. I think the Rams roll. I seven bet, and a half point spread. I'll, I'll take the Rams. On the Rams, Rams are my survivor. That's Stafford's debut. Yes, they, the Rams are my survivor pool pick of the week. By the way, they, they're who I, I've been a few of those pools. They're who I have week one. You just got to go with the sure pick in the week one card. Just get out of it with a win. Not worry about what team you're picking and that you won't have them down the stretch of the season. And the Bears just stink, so I'm going against them. Mine as well. I was deliberating between the Rams and the Niners, but I'm going to go with the Rams. And then my money line parlay on FanDuel. This pays out at a plus 225 clip. So let me know, Dan, what you think of this one. Panthers over the Jets, Niners over the Lions, uh, Chiefs over the Browns, and Rams over the Bears. All to win plus 225. Anything there that's going to come back to bite me in the ass. Wait, so it was Rams win, Chiefs win, Panthers win, and Niners win? Yes. What loses? Like what we'll find, a, yeah. Because I I the, agree with all of those picks. Somehow, the one I'm actually worried about the, is the, the Chiefs. I was I thought you were going to go with like the Jets find a way to win by a field goal or something. I, I like the Panthers. I like the Panthers. I do too. Sure. I do too. But it, it's never it's never the game we think it's going to be right. that'll find a way to do it. Or what's going to happen is you're going to have all three games go your way. Sunday night football. We both have. Survivor is going to be a double whammy. There the, you go. The Bears will find a way to beat the Rams. You're going to be like, wow, I really thought I had it. So. That's plus two twenty-five. So if you don't mind me asking, how much you have on that? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Like a little, prying a little bit now, but I don't know. Like a little twenty-five spot on it. Well, so I wanted to know. So what's this potentially going to be a payout? Like fifty, fifty-six bucks. Something. All right, like that. Not, not bad. I don't go too heavy. I don't have a problem or anything. But if you do, call one eight hundred gambler. Hey, you're uh, that, a, that you're, you're a self-walking that, uh, PSA here. That too. is our disclaimer here. But uh, next up, I did want to let you hear Howie Roseman joined the morning show this week. Uh, so I'm going to let you hear that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another couple hours. Obviously, talking a lot of Eagles this morning. Season getting underway today at 1 o'clock. Eagles-Falcons right here on 94 WIP. Be tuned in, uh, not just today, but all season long, for Eagles football. Still got a couple hours left here, but uh, I did want to, in this segment, let you hear Howie Roseman. Obviously, Eagles Radiothon on the station this past week um, for a a great cause, by the way. I know Radiothon is over now, uh, but if there's any way you can contribute to the Eagles Autism Foundation you're doing it for a great cause. And the Eagles do a tremendous job in helping children who need it. And if there's any way, you know, you can still contribute to that organization, the, the Eagles are doing a tremendous job uh, with that stuff. So uh, we had a lot of guests on this week on the station. Obviously, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. Devontae Smith. But... I did want to let you hear from Howie Roseman as he's kind of like the premier guest uh, and no slight on Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, but but they're not really the voice of the organization the way Howie is. And, and hey, let's face it, Howie's kind of a controversial figure in town. Talked about it a little bit earlier on. Um, but I always think Howie is interesting 
when he comes on the air in one way or another. And Angelo had him on on Wednesday morning during Eagles Radiothon. I want to let you hear that now. Here's Howie Roseman with the morning show on Wednesday. Ladies and gentlemen, the general manager of Philadelphia Eagles, Howie Roseman. Hi, Howie. Good morning. I didn't know Rube was there. What's up, my man? How you doing, Howie? I didn't realize you guys were tight. Rube was telling me you're kind of tight with you, Howie. You know, there's a really funny story. Uh, I don't know how, how many years ago we were on a panel together. And uh, it was a couple years after you guys won your world championship. And someone asked me a question on the panel with Ruben. They said, you know, you think when the Eagles win a Super Bowl, if you'll have a job for life. And I said, well, I used to think that until I had conversations with Ruben and saw what happened a couple of years after they won a championship. So he's uh, he, he's he's always been someone that we were able to hang out and, and talk about a lot of things and. Um, who's more Philly than Ruben, and I uh, love seeing him on TV watching those Phillies games. All right, so Howie, here's the item. This is pretty interesting. Uh, Howie is very popular in these uh, radio uh, right. radio thought. There was an item <laughs> offered uh, to have lunch with you and three guests with Howie Roseman, and we have already received an uh, a offer of $12,000. So Howie nice. agreed to close it at twelve grand and offer another lunch. Is that correct, Howie? Of course, yeah. I mean, it's uh, these people. Uh, Ruben's had lunch with me. You know, I, I don't know how fun I am, but <laughs> I, I like good food and I like talking about food and football. So uh, they will do it, and it's for a great cause. And I'm really excited when Bob told me about what's going on and how much money we're raising. It's very, very cool. No, but Howie, I was told last year, you know, the pandemic, you had to do a Zoom lunch with somebody. And the guy held up a, a pad with 43 questions on it, and they were yeah. tough questions. Is that true? I answered every one, man. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do here, man. You, you know, before we get started, Angelo, yes. I, I've been yeah. thinking about this a lot. Yeah. You know, Jay Wright's getting inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And this guy, man, he first of all, he's a huge Eagles fan, you know. And this guy, what he's done for our city, um, really what he's done for me personally, you know, talk about Rube and a friend, just – um, really excited for Jay and his family, and um, feel really fortunate to be able to get to know him and, and call him one of my friends. And just wanted to congratulate him and his family uh, on a special weekend. Well, that's awesome, Harry. Now, I'll tell you what I feel fortunate about. I get to talk to the GM just before the first game of a brand new season, and this gives me a chance to gauge your expectations. So tell me, you put this roster together, how do you feel about it? Well, we're excited about Sunday. Can't wait to see this team in action. And I'm really proud of the work put in by everyone in this building, not really just since camp started, but every day since last season ended. And obviously that last year was was not good and uh, disappointed and uh, really embarrassed by by last season. And we've really kind of put ourselves in a position where we had to work really hard to make sure we make this city proud. And and that's really our, our mentality, uh, this blue-collar mentality of we got to go prove it. we got to do it every day, uh, every week. And I, I, I like our team. I like our players. But uh, we got to go prove it on the field. All right. Now, one of the things that we saw different with Nick Sirianni there is we did not see much of the starters in the preseason. Was that the coach's idea, or did you have a lot of input on that, Howie? Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't talk to a coach about who to play, when to play them. That's his call. You know, he works with our performance staff and our training staff and our medical staff to make sure that um, we're doing whatever's best for our players. 
you know, I like seeing our players play. Uh, I, I like seeing our players practice. I like seeing our players play in games. And at the end of the day, like I, I'm not involved in those decisions about who's on the field, you know, off the field. That's my job. All right. Let's talk about Nick. It was an out of the box choice. Um, first impressions of what you've seen from your new head coach. Well, I, I go back to really just uh, interviewing him and he was down in Florida and uh, he came and he was on a family vacation and um, I'm not sure how much preparation he had had for that moment, but what I've seen is he's been preparing his whole life for this job. And, um, he, there's not been one situation that he hasn't had thoughts and a preparation on. Uh, it's been very impressive. And, and when we got and sat down with him, I remember just looking around the table and everyone just listening to him talk and listening to him talk about his philosophies. Um, how he wanted the offense look, how the defense look, special teams, what kind of culture he wanted to build. And I remember we all just kind of took a break and went, whoa, this guy, man, you know, he's, he's got incredible passion. And then, you know, you, he just fits into this blue-collar mentality of this city, you know, and I'm really excited for you and our fans to continue to get to know him and, and his staff. And um, I think you guys are going to really, really like him. And, and I think we, we have a chance here, you know, to build this the right way and, um, hopefully to win a lot of games with him. All right, Howie, one of the – obviously a lot of it will depend on the performance of your starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. That's the way the NFL works. There is a sense in our city that you, even though you use a second-round pick on him, are rather tepid about whether or not you think he's your franchise quarterback. Could you clear that up for us this morning? Well, I think the first part of this is the most important, right? We used a second-round pick on Jalen. Uh, we had seen him – Throughout his career, you know, as the uh, SEC Offense Player of the Year as a freshman, he continued to do that in the Big 12 when he went to Oklahoma. You know, he's a runner-up as a Heisman finalist. Um, you guys see his leadership, but let's not forget his skill set, you know. And I think that we draft him the second round, not just because he's a good person and he's a good leader, but he's a really good player. And when we looked at kind of the guys who were successful in the National Football League and where the league was going – um, we took him because of those reasons, because of what kind of player he is. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think that uh, we talk a lot about Jalen and his leadership and what kind of person he is, which are really positive things. But the guy can play and he can win. And so, again, another person here, all of us have to prove it and show it, and we're excited about that. But certainly he's got a skill set that we're excited about. All right. Let's put you back in that second round in that moment where you pick Jalen Hurts. But you know what effect that's going to have on your franchise quarterback, Carson Wentz. Would you do it? If you had to do it again, would you still make that pick in that spot? Well, it's funny because, you know, I look at what's going on around the league and, you know, I I think specifically about San Francisco, you know, and and they sat there and they said, hey, we like our starting quarterback, but we got to make sure he stays on the field. And they traded three first-round picks to go up and get another quarterback. And their their quarterback had been – uh, starting quarterback in the Super Bowl, and they they spent a lot of picks on that, and and that's what we were saying last year. Like you know, we we love Carson, but we've played four playoff games, and we've needed our backup quarterback in all of them. It's too important of a position to not have that, and so I think that just thinking about where we were at the moment, I think it was the right thing to do. You know, it's a hard decision, but it was the right thing to do. Are you relieved right now, Howie, that you don't have to deal with the Carson Wentz vaccination issue that they are in Indianapolis? Oh, we're going COVID now. We're going I, COVID and I, vaccination. I'm covering everything, Howard. <laughs> I'm trying to do no. a harder job than the guy with the 43 questions. 
We we got we got seventy guys on this team, and uh, I feel like you know I I got uh, enough stuff here to worry about without worrying about any other team or any other players. Um, but certainly, as we look forward to this season, that's going to be an issue we got to deal with, and um, it puts us in, in a, a good situation that we have a, a, a high high percentage of our team that's vaccinated, and it uh, gives us the best chance to keep those guys on the field. All right, Howie, I am happiest about one Ruben, thing. how am I doing, by the way? How am How's I doing? How's he doing, Ruben? It's nice work. I really enjoy it. All yeah. right, Thank uh, you. here Perfect. we go. All right, he's taking Stay notes. Stay right there. Don't Howie. change a thing. All right, okay. uh, Howie, uh, uh, Zach Gertz, I'm really thrilled he's back. I- I'm, me too. Uh, all right, so uh, tell me this. How close were you to trading him? Yeah, you know, I think that when we, we do during comp times is we, we try to make sure that we know the value of all our players. And um, Zach's a guy that we drafted, we signed, helped us win a Super Bowl. Um, we had a bad year last year. I had a bad year. This team had a bad year. That doesn't make us bad at our jobs. And I, we know what kind of player Zach is. We know what kind of person he is. And we're not going to sell guys short when we know who they are. I mean, nobody knows our players better than us seeing them day in and day out, what they do for this team, what they do for this city, you know, on and off the field. Zach's a legend, and so we're not we're not going to go and look to move guys that we know that their values great. And he is a huge, huge part of this team, um, and we're really excited to have him. And, and anyone who's been at camp or seen in the preseason, like they, they remember who Zach is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Dallas Scott. It's also a very good tight end. Thought he was going to get an extension on his contract, ended up not getting it yet. Is that tied at all to the fact that Ertz is back, Howie? Well, I think obviously we, we got two really good players to that position. And um, without getting into negotiating, are, are we going 43 here? Does anyone have a count? Has anyone, anyone got a we're little only at on how many we're on right now? You've got a long way to go, <laughs> Howie, and I didn't have to pay 12 grand either. Whatever, whatever we need to do, no problem. <laughs> no, I, I think that we, we – want to have our good players here we want to have them here long term um you know i don't want to get into negotiating in public but dallas knows how much we think of him and we hope he's here into the future he's 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 a great young guy and we're expecting a big year from him all right you did something very impressive in the in the draft last uh, last april when you got Devonte smith now that you've gotten to see him on the field howie what are your thoughts let's be honest and we were sweating out some of those picks weren't we angela mm-hmm. We're sweating, I'm so, you we're sweating st- those picks out. The Make Giants <laughs> are going to hate you for years for that guy. Well, that, that that I hope they hate me for for years for a lot of things, um, right. and that's just one of them. I hope everyone in the NFC East feels that way. But you know, I think that it was really important that with everything that happened last year, we came out with a cornerstone and a player who's not only just a great player but a great leadership. And sometimes when you get guys like this and aren't obviously are freaking skilled guys are really young, but sometimes you get like two for ones, right? So you get a guy who's a great player, but you also get somebody who elevates everyone else in that room. And that's what we're counting on with Devante. You know, that's a young room with a talented room, but a young room. And he, he acts like a veteran. He acts like the Heisman Trophy winner, you know? And I think that it's really exciting to think about him and how young the skill group is going forward and having those guys together and growing together. All right, Howie, I got to ask this because I've said this a number of times in the last month, and I want to make sure I was accurate. During training camp, you were rooting for Andre Dillard to win the left tackle job because he's a first-round pick. 
but Jordan Maialata was dazzling in the camp. Is it true from the perspective of a drafter, is it always better to see your first rounder win the job? Well, you want your first rounders to play well, but I, I say this with all due respect, like these guys are like fingers on my hand, man. You know, we drafted them. We traded up for, for Jordan too. You know, I think back to, you know, we're playing in the Super Bowl, a, a Hall of Famer, I think, not only Eagles Hall of Famer, but NFL Hall of Famer is Jason Kelsey. Is anyone talking about the fact that, you know, we drafted Jason Kelsey in the sixth round and Danny Watkins in the first round? You got to get good players, and they come in all shapes and sizes. They come in all parts of the draft. I'm really proud of the fact that we went back in the draft and, and got Jordan because we knew this freak show of a player needed time to develop, but we didn't want to see him develop anywhere else. You know, I think that Andre hasn't really gotten a fair rap. I really do. I think that um, he he's playing well and he continues to get better. He missed all of last year, but Jordan won the job, and Jordan's got amazing tools in his body. And so I think for us, like, we got to get the best players on the field. It doesn't matter where they're drafted from as long as we get them here. If we sat here and we didn't have a young left tackle or a left tackle wasn't playing well, I'd be sick about it. But we got a great problem. we got two young left tackles that we drafted that we have going forward in this season. And, and I was going back and watching our game last year against Washington. I mean, we had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. Mm. And to have that depth and to have those players – Makes me feel better. I, I haven't asked you anything about defense because I have no clue what to expect. Jonathan Gannon is brand new. We knew Jim Schwartz and his style. Give us a preview of what we're going to see defensively. A little more aggression maybe? Yeah, J.G., man. He, he's another one. When you start talking to him and see his passion, um, you're going you're gonna to be really impressed. And this is a guy that, like, you know, when Nick said he, he had an opportunity to bring him, and we had heard so much about – JG and what kind of coach he was and what kind of future that he had in the NFL. And he just fits, you know, he fits this city. He's got this passion. We have a long line of great defense coordinators here that, you know, we've been fortunate to have that I've been fortunate to work with and um, really think that JG is going to do it. Now, is he going to show everything that he wants to in the preseason? No, no, he's, he's got, um, he, he's going to wait till the season starts and do that. And um, I'm really excited about our defense and seeing them on the field it starts up front. I think we got a, a deep group of defensive linemen um, who all have a chip on their shoulders. And then, you know, I think when we talk about the back end, I'm really excited how those guys are coming together. And, and um, obviously, they got to go show it starting on Sunday against a, a good offense and, and a couple, you know, freak show weapons that they got. All right, Howie, last thing. It's one o'clock Sunday. I'm assuming you and Jeffrey are in Atlanta, right? I guess the, the COVID's over enough to do that. What are you experiencing as they line up for the kickoff for a new season? What's that feel like emotionally for you? Yeah, I think it's it's probably no different than you're feeling and our fans are feeling. It's it's a mixture of excitement and, and nerves, and it's um, I I think you know you can't wait to see it. And uh, I feel like uh, those first games they're always a little different because nobody's really showing the preseason. You don't have a lot of scouting to do on teams offensive defense and special teams and especially with two new coaches so um i think that uh, you know i can't wait for one o'clock but i can't sit there and tell you that you know i'm not going to be excited and nervous you know that picture of me in the super bowl where i'm kind of swaying back with like 11 seconds left <laughs> yes. you know that? You yes. remember that oh yeah 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 uh, that 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 may be me in the back swaying a little bit but um <laughs> i'm really excited to see this team and uh to continue to make 
this city proud about our football team, and I think we got that blue-collar mentality, and uh, I think there are good things ahead for us. You can, for a mere twelve grand, you can heckle Howie with three of your friends at lunch <laughs> at a time a mutually agreed to time. Howie, nothing but success. We are all so excited that we got another Eagle season upon us. Thank you, Howie. Thanks for having me, guys. Right, Howie, See you, Howie. Howie Roseman, the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was Howie Roseman at Wednesday morning with the WIP morning show. And obviously a lot to get into there, a lot of interesting comments, how we addressed Nick Sirianni's first impressions of him, the Jalen Hurts situation, which that's been uh, the big talking point all offseason long, is how does this organization truly view Jalen Hurts? And and do they look at Jalen Hurts as the future franchise quarterback in this city? And how we talked about that a little bit. Um, Devontae Smith, the tight end situation. What is the future of Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia? What's the future of Zach Ertz? In Philadelphia, uh, so a lot of interesting stuff there. We'll kind of go through some of that stuff when we get back, because I do want to talk a little more about some of the things that Howie had to say. Didn't really get a chance to do that this week uh, following Howie's interview. So we will get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly with you until 6 a.m. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for uh, another hour plus here. In the next segment, I want to give you more of a a national perspective as Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports, a great writer uh, for CBS Sports, joined me uh, this week when I was filling in for the midday show. Jeff's a local guy. We talked about the Eagles, got into some national stuff. So we'll get Jeff's take on everything going on next. And in the 5 o'clock hour, I do want to make my predictions for this season. We'll go through all the divisions. I will make my official picks, uh, my postseason picks, my Super Bowl prediction, uh, so I can be on record uh, when they're wrong, and then everybody can can make fun of me for it. So we'll do that a little later on in the 5 o'clock hour. As you just heard in the last segment, Howie Roseman on with the morning show on Wednesday and wanted to react to a few of the things that Howie had to say as Howie is, I would say at this point, oh, no, nah, that, that's not true. I was going to say Howie Roseman is at this point the most controversial person in the city of Philadelphia, but that's not true. That's that's Ben Simmons right now. I mean, Ben Simmons at this point probably takes the crown for most controversial figure in this city at this point even though most people are on the same side in regards to Ben Simmons. I think for the most part, everybody's pretty fed up with Simmons at this point. And many people are with Howie as well, but I at least think there is a group that is supportive of Howie, and I am in that group. I've been on record for a long time saying that I think you can do a lot worse than Howie Roseman when you're looking around the league as far as competent people running your football team in your organization. I mean, just look, I don't know how many miles it is up the turnpike to New York. Dave Gettleman running your football team like the Giants have right now, it's a disaster. You know, Dave Gettleman has no clue what he's doing. And that organization, just to give you a little spoiler for my predictions coming up in the next hour... I think that organization is a complete disaster, and I think they're going to continue to be a complete disaster this year. And when you compare 
Dave Gettleman to Howie Roseman, I don't think there's much of a comparison there. I'll take Howie every single time. And I know that's not the majority viewpoint. I know uh, many people focus on the misdraft picks, and we talked about it a little earlier. Uh, you're well within your rights to do that. And I'm not in any way going to dispute that some of the draft choices, some of the decisions that have been made have been mistakes. Yet, if we're going to do that, you also got to acknowledge the the hits and the the good moves that have been made, which there are many. I mean, you look, and the easiest one to look at is the Dillard Mulata thing. I mean, Eagles draft Andre Dillard in the first round. They move up for him. Sure, at this point, that looks like a really bad pick. It looks like Andre Dillard is not going to be a starting caliber player, at least not in Philadelphia. But you look at the selection of Jordan Mulata in the seventh round, that's an incredible hit. Like, that is an incredible uh, value play late in the seventh round to get a guy that's going to be a top 10 left tackle, hopefully. You know, obviously he's got to prove it, and the Eagles think he will. He just signs a, a, a significant extension uh, on Saturday. But if the net result, and people could say, oh, well, that doesn't make up for the first-round pick, but the net result is, if all things work out correctly, that you get a top-notch left tackle, one of the most valuable things in football. And if that's the trade-off, I'll take that trade-off anytime. And, you know, it's very similar to what happened back in 2011, where, yeah, the Eagles select Danny Watkins in the first round. It was an absolutely horrendous pick uh, that they either did not do their due diligence on or they just got it wrong. But you also give them, got to give them credit because that same year, they draft this center out of Cincinnati in the sixth round that ends up being a core piece to a Super Bowl team and uh, one of the most significant players and leaders in the history of this franchise in Jason Kelsey. So, you know, you really got to look at both sides of the coin and you really got to analyze it both ways. And I think in many instances, people are unfair to Howie Roseman in that regard where it's solely focused on the negative and not the positive. But I did want to get into some of the things that Howie had to say in his interview with Angelo because regardless of how you feel about Howie, he's always interesting. I think when he comes on the air and the things that he says, people want to hear uh, what his thoughts are, whether they agree or not. So I want to go through now just a few of the things that I found most interesting. I, I, I didn't get the chance to do this earlier on in the week was not on after Howie had spoken to the morning show, but wanted to go through a few of the things that I found most interesting from Howie's interview with Angelo and the morning team on Wednesday. First off, here is Howie. Just talking about how he feels uh, about this upcoming season, one that, that I think everybody agrees is going to be a crucial one. Well, we're excited about Sunday. Can't wait to see this team in action. And I'm really proud of the work put in by everyone in this building, not really just since camp started, but every day since last season ended. And obviously that last year was was not good and uh, disappointed and uh, really embarrassed by, by last season. And we've really kind of put ourselves in a position where – 
we had to work really hard to make sure we make this city proud and and that's really our, our mentality uh, this blue collar mentality of we got to go prove it we got to do it every day uh, every week and I, I i like our team i like our players but uh, we got to go prove it on the field and that's absolutely true. And I am one of the people who's probably more optimistic on this team than most. I have them 9-8. and eight. I'm not going, going crazy or anything. But I think this team has a chance uh, to be pretty good. And I think they're going to be fun to watch. I do. I think, it, it, and we talked about it, it's always interesting to watch a team coming into the first year, new quarterback, new head coach. That always provides a level of excitement that you just don't always get. Uh, but I am excited for this team, and I think they are going to be pretty interesting in this year. But you got to prove it on the field, like how he said. I mean, nobody expected last year to go the way it did, and nobody really knows how this team's going to be this year. I mean, I can, I believe they're going to be decent, but they could be a four and thirteen team for all I know. They could be a an eleven and sixteen for all we know. So, so. It's going to take time. It's going to be interesting to see them finally get on the field after we've discussed um, we've discussed it so much this off season. Uh, but uh, one of the more interesting things about this season for the Eagles, and probably the most important thing, even more important than Jalen Hurts in the long term, I think for next year, what's most important at this juncture is finding out what you have in Jalen Hurts, finding out whether he can be your franchise quarterback moving forward. But most important for the long term is finding out whether Nick Sirianni is going to be a good head coach and whether or not he was the right hire for your organization. And here was Howie talking about what his first impressions were of Nick Sirianni this offseason, uh, getting a chance to work with him a little bit. I go back to really just uh, interviewing him, and he was down in Florida, and uh, he came, and he was on a family vacation, and um, I'm not sure how much preparation he had had for that moment, but what I've seen is he's been preparing his whole life for this job, and um, he there's not been one situation that he hasn't had thoughts and a preparation on. Uh, it's been very impressive. And, and when we got and sat down with him, I remember just looking around the table and everyone just listening to him talk and listening to him talk about his philosophies, um, how he wanted the offense to look, how the defense to look, special teams, what kind of culture he wanted to build. And I remember we all just kind of took a break and went, whoa, this guy, man, you know, he's, he's got incredible passion. And then, you know, you, he just fits into this blue-collar mentality of this city, you know, and I'm really excited for you and our fans to continue to get to know him and his staff. And um, I think you guys are going to really, really like him. And, and I think we, we have a chance here, you know, to build this the right way and um, hopefully to win a lot of games with him. And hopefully that's true. I mean, as far as, as Sirianni goes. And the one thing you can't dispute is that, and I don't know if this is going to bear out to be the right decision, but there's obviously something from the interviews Whatever Nick Sirianni did in the interview process uh, that Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie really liked, you know, and I don't know what that was. And I think, may, who knows, maybe we'll find a way, may, maybe we'll see what that is on Sunday. I mean, what if Nick Sirianni comes out Sunday and is this brilliant play designer and the Eagles hang 38 on the Atlanta Falcons? I mean, it's not impossible, uh, but... It's so interesting about a new coach as far as 
the unexpected. And I always love that when you go into a season like this, even when you're uncertain about expectations, even if we kind of know this isn't going to be a Super Bowl caliber team and a year where this team is going to have those sorts of, of aspirations, it's exciting uh, because of the unknown factor. And uh, Nick Sirianni, I'm really interested to see how he coaches this game uh, on Sunday. How is he going to attack this Atlanta defense? Is it going to be more run-based? Is it going to be more pass-based? Are they going to run a lot of read option stuff? Is Jalen Hurts going to be on the move? Because the Eagles were very vanilla in the preseason, and that that was by design. And how we talked about that a little bit, because not only were the Eagles vanilla from a, you know, a, a game plan and play running standpoint, they were vanilla from a standpoint of not really playing their guys. And that's a, a, another issue where there's a lot of difference of opinion. Some people believe you need to play your starters and they need those reps going into the regular season. Well, a lot of teams don't believe that, and a lot of teams operate as if uh, we're not going to take a risk of injury. I mean, you look at what's going on in Baltimore right now. It's an absolute disaster. I know a lot of those injuries, or at least some of those injuries, happened in practice. Um, But the Eagles have taken this tact of we want to protect our guys, and they haven't really played their guys. I mean, Jalen Hurts threw what? All, I think, seven passes in the preseason. Uh, Here's Howie on whether uh, he had any input into that decision. Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't talk to a coach about who to play, when to play them. That's his call. You know, he works with our performance staff and our training staff and our medical staff to make sure that um, we're doing whatever's best for our players. You know, I like seeing our players play. Uh, I, I like seeing our players practice. I like seeing our players play in games. And at the end of the day, like, I, I'm not involved in those decisions about who's on the field, you know, off the field. That's my job. Now, uh, that being said, I don't know if that's entirely true. Like, and uh, I get why Howie wouldn't come out and say that, but like, I, I I don't know. I think the coach and front office probably do collaborate on these decisions. And I don't, I don't think that's an issue. I think that's, that's smart for everybody to be on the same page as far as playing your starters in the preseason, weighing those risks first, the rewards. And is that something that probably did uh, take place those kind of conversations? I'd imagine that they did. Um, but as far as the tack the Eagles took, I think it's the right, I think it's the right approach. I do. I think it's the right decision to not play your starters, to try to rest them as much as possible, especially now in a 17 game season, I just don't think the reward of maybe them getting a few extra reps is worth the risk that that very clearly exists. You know, when you look at what can happen if guys go down. I mean, these joint practices they have, these are controlled environments. These are much more manageable situations for the teams where they can kind of uh, put themselves in a position to you know, protect against injuries. Quarterbacks are not being hit. Players are not being tackled to the ground. And you can make that argument that that will make them less prepared for the regular season. I just don't believe that is necessarily true. And 
I don't think, even if it's it's not true, it's not worth the risk of losing your top guys before the regular season. So um, I thought, you know, that comment was was interesting, if not entirely accurate. But obviously the other big storyline this offseason has been Jalen Hurts and his status as the quarterback of this team moving forward. Because the, the quarterback situation in this town has been crazy over the last year. Uh, from really the last year and a half, from the minute Jalen Hurts was selected, the Carson Wentz debacle, Jalen Hurts this offseason, the rumors surrounding Deshaun Watson and the Eagles potentially going in another direction at the quarterback position. But as we start the season, Jalen Hurts is the guy. The Eagles sign Joe Flacco. They make the move for Gardner Minshew. I don't think that has anything to do with Jalen Hurts. I think that is just making sure this position is strong, which which it should be. But here is Howie talking about uh, whether or not any determination has been made as to whether Jalen Hurts is this franchise's quarterback uh, for the, the long term here. Well, I think the first part of this is the most important, right? We used a second-round pick on Jalen. Uh, we had seen him throughout his career, you know, as the uh, SEC Offense Player of the Year as a freshman, he continued to do that in the Big 12 when he went to Oklahoma. You know, he's a runner-up as a Heisman finalist. Um, you got to see his leadership, but let's not forget his skill set, you know. And I think that we draft him the second round, not just because he's a good person and he's a good leader, but he's a really good player. And when we looked at kind of the guys who were successful in the National Football League and where the league was going, um, we took him because of those reasons, because of what kind of player he is. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think that uh, we talk a lot about Jalen and his leadership and what kind of person he is, which are really positive things. But the guy can play and he can win. And so, again, another person here, all of us have to prove it and show it, and we're excited about that. But certainly he's got a skill set that we're excited about. And I think how we pretty much said it at the beginning of the of the clip there, that they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round with the intention of him being a backup quarterback. Like, like that's the intention. And and I think while praising Jalen Hurts, how he was non-committal in terms of him being the franchise quarterback, as he should be. I mean, you shouldn't be overly committal to a guy who you're not overly committed to. And the Eagles are in no way really tied to Jalen Hurts being the franchise quarterback long term. He's a he's a young guy on a on a second round draft choice contract. That is not overly prohibitive, and if the Eagles don't see things that they like this season, they can move on, and that very well may be the direction uh, that they go. I personally think Jalen Hurts has a real chance to come out and take this job. I think that's his mentality, and I think in some ways it's ironic because I believe part of the reason the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, they thought he'd be good for Carson. I really do. I think they looked at it, and this goes back to, you know, remember that that discussion when the Eagles let Malcolm Jenkins go. And part of that, the theory behind that, was that they wanted to turn the leadership of this organization over to Carson Wentz, that Malcolm was such a magnetic, strong personality that Carson Wentz couldn't really put his leadership stamp on this team while Man- Malcolm Jenkins was here. And I believe that they looked at Jalen Hurts, and one of the intangibles they really liked was that this kid is a leader. 
and maybe he can bring some of those leadership capabilities into this locker room. Him and Carson will be spending a lot of time together, and some of Jalen can rub off on Carson. Unfortunately, Carson Wentz went the other way to where I believe he was threatened by that kind of magnetic leader personality that Jalen Hurts brought in, and it kind of made him completely unravel here, uh, and that obviously turned into uh, uh, something that altered the course of Eagles history and altered the course of the franchise, but those intangibles Jalen Hurts certainly has, and whether the Hurts selection played into Carson Wentz and his failures last year, uh, that's been debated a lot, how he was asked about that as well, here's what how he had to say. Well, it's funny because, you know, I look at what's going on around the league and, you know, I, I, I think specifically about San Francisco, you know, and, and they sat there and they said, hey, we like our starting quarterback, but we got to make sure he stays on the field. And they traded three first-round picks to go up and get another quarterback. And their their quarterback had been a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl, and they, they spent a lot of picks on that. And, and that's what we were saying last year. Like, you know, we, we love Carson, but – We've played four playoff games, and we've needed our backup quarterback in all of them. It's too important of a position to not have that. And so I think that just thinking about where we were at the moment, I think it was the right thing to do. You know, it's a hard decision, but it was the right thing to do. And it was the right thing to do. It was. I mean, and it's why it was also the right thing to go out and trade for Gardner Minshew a week ago because it's too important to be – it's too important of a position to leave yourself bare. And I – think the Eagles philosophy of of having multiple quarterbacks in this instance you have three that you feel comfortable can come in and and play competently uh is is extremely important and now the Eagles have that and and whether that was a threat to Carson Wentz or not it's too important of a position and it's putting the franchise before a player and that's what being a team is supposed to be all about and that's what I find very ironic when 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 People will criticize Howie for that selection. Howie wasn't the one who who wasn't putting the team first. Carson was the one who wasn't putting the team first. You know, Howie was trying to do what was right for the football team. You can disagree whether you think that was the right move. I mean, at the time, I thought a second-round draft choice on a quarterback uh, was maybe not the right move considering some of the other holes, but look at what happened. It turned out, I think, to be the right move because now you have a, a quarterback you feel pretty good about. And obviously, Carson Wentz didn't turn out to be what we hoped he would be. And and uh, I think it was the right move when you look at this organization moving forward. Now Carson's in Indianapolis and, you know, Carson Wentz, one of many players in the league that, that aren't vaccinated right now, could affect his draft status. Here's Howie on whether that's something he's paying any attention to. Oh, we're going COVID now. We're going COVID and vaccination. I'm covering everything, Howard. <laughs> I'm trying to do you know, a harder job than the guy with the 43 question. We we got we got 70 guys on this team, and uh, I feel like you know I I got uh, enough stuff here to worry about without worrying about any other team or any other players. Um, but certainly, as we look forward to this season, that's going to be an issue we got to deal with, and um, it puts us in, in a, a good situation that we have a. a, a high, high percentage of our team that's vaccinated and uh, gives us the best chance to keep those guys on the field. 
And I'm sure they're paying attention to it, but it's nothing the Eagles should be concerning themselves with. Carson Wentz is gone, and there's nothing you can really do about that at that this point. If Carson Wentz isn't going to get the vaccine, that's something that that's the Colts' problem. You know, that's not the Eagles' problem, and they'll let the chips fall where they may. And and you know, if he misses games and he doesn't reach the snap threshold, it ends up being a second round pick. Uh, that's what it ends up being. But um, yeah, I don't think you can really pay too much attention to that. The other big storyline this offseason was Zach Ertz, who everybody, and Zach included, thought he was gone after the final game of last year. All he had to do was hear his, his press conference at the end of the season, and he spoke like a guy who thought his career in Philadelphia was over, and obviously a lot of trade rumors this offseason. Here's Howie on whether at any point the Eagles were close uh, to dealing Zach Ertz. Yeah, you know, I think that when we, we do during comp times is we, we try to make sure that we know the value of all our players. And um, Zach's a guy that we drafted, we signed, helped us win a Super Bowl. Um, we had a bad year last year. I had a bad year. This team had a bad year. That doesn't make us bad at our jobs. And I, we know what kind of player Zach is. We know what kind of person he is. And we're not going to sell guys short when we know who they are. I mean, nobody knows our players better than us seeing them day in and day out, what they do for this team, what they do for this city, you know, on and off the field. Zach's a legend. And so we're not, we're not going to go and look to move guys that we know that their values great. And he is a huge, huge part of this team. Um, and we're really excited to have him. And, and anyone who's been at camp or seen in the preseason, like they, they remember who Zach is. Yeah, and Zach Ertz is one of the most important people in the history of the franchise. Scored the biggest touchdown in the history of the franchise, and I'm glad he's still here. I think Zach Ertz is going to have a, a nice year in this offense. Um, and as we talked about, we don't really know what to expect from Nick Sirianni's offenses, but if you can take anything from Indianapolis, they were very, you know, heavy on using their tight ends, whether it was Eric Ebron, whether it was uh, Jack Doyle, some of the guys that they had there, they they utilized their t- multiple tight ends in many instances, and I think there is enough to go around for both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard in this offense, and I expect them both to be uh, featured heavily. And by the way, if you're looking for a prop to bet, I just saw this one uh, before the game, before uh, the game, I was looking at him yesterday. Zach Ertz, his over under on receiving yards on Sunday is only at twenty four and a half. I mean, I think Zach Ertz will get that easily in this game, so that might be something to keep your eye on. But um, this kind of changes the equation maybe a little bit because when Dallas Goddard was selected a few years ago, I think the expectation was that he would succeed Zach Ertz, be here for a while, yet he's going into the final year of a deal, does not have an extension. Here's how he on whether uh, he sees an extension coming at some point for Dallas Goddard. Well, I think obviously we, we got two really good players to that position and um, without getting into negotiating, are, are we going 43 here? Does anyone have a count? Has anyone, anyone got a we're little picture on how many we're on right now? You've got a long way to go, Howie, and I didn't have to pay 12 grand either. Whatever, whatever we need to do, no problem. No, I, I think that we, we want to have our good players here. We want to have them here long term. Um, you know, I don't want to get into negotiating in public, but Dallas knows how much we think of him, and we hope he's here into the future. He's 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 a great young guy, and we're expecting a big year from him. And you know, very vague answer there. And I think in, in this instance, uh, the the answer is the Eagles don't know. And and 
I think Dallas Goddard's a talented guy, but I don't think Dallas Goddard's shown enough at this point to get a big money extension. I mean, you look around the league right now, man, tight ends are getting paid. Uh, the extensions for Kelsey and Kittle a couple years ago, obviously he's not that uh, at that kind of um, level. But look at the the deal a guy like Mark Andrews of the Ravens got last week. Four years, $56 million for Mark Andrews. And, and he's a better player than Dallas Goddard. But I think that's kind of the money that Goddard is going to want in the offseason. And based on production, he hasn't done enough to, to, to show that. He's a guy who's been banged up frequently. Um, I like his potential. But until he, he can produce at a level that makes you feel confident and comfortable paying him that kind of money, I'm okay with holding out. And maybe the answer is, at the end of the year, okay, maybe we do let Dallas Goddard walk. And maybe we do kind of move forward with Zach Ertz as the tight end. And, man, that would be a story if Zach Ertz not only plays here this year, but is back beyond this year. And and time will tell. And I think if Dallas Goddard has a big year, the Eagles will pay him and, and he'll stay. And, and that'll kind of be uh, the way this thing plays out. But... Uh, as of now, no deal, and I'm okay with that. Um, another player on offense coming in this year who is – I'm probably the guy I'm most excited to watch on uh, Sunday is Devontae Smith. You know, didn't get to see him really at all in the preseason. Played a little bit in the New England game, but Hurts not even out there. Uh, so finally you'll get to see Devontae Smith with his old college teammate Jalen Hurts. Here's Howie Roseman on what he's seen and, and his expectations for his first-round pick, Devontae Smith. Let's be honest. We were sweating out some of those picks, weren't we, Angela? Mm. We're sweating, so, we're sweating st- those picks out. The Giants sure. <laughs> are going to hate you for years for that guy. Well, that, that that I hope they hate me for for years for a lot of things, um, right. and that's just one of them. I hope everyone in the NFC East feels that way. But you know, I think that it was really important that with everything that happened last year, we came out with a cornerstone and a player who's not only just a great player but a great leadership. And sometimes when you get guys like this, and obviously our freaking skill guys are really young, but sometimes you get like two-for-ones, right? So you get a guy who's a great player, but you also get somebody who elevates everyone else in that room. And that's what we're counting on with Devontae. You know, that's a young room with a talented room, but a young room. And he, he acts like a veteran. He acts like the Heisman Trophy one, you know? And I think that it's really exciting to think about him and how young the skill group is going forward and having those guys together and growing together. And it's going to be fun to see these guys grow together. And I do kind of like the fact that there's a young, that that a lot of these guys are young and they can kind of grow together. And you do have a nice mix of veterans. A lot of the guys on the O-line, Zach Ertz, obviously, but a lot of the skill position players as how he says are all of that similar age. Hertz and Miles Sanders and Rager, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins. These are all first, second year, third year guys in Miles Sanders uh, instance who have the opportunity uh, to really learn and, and, and grow together. And that's one thing I'm excited to see. As for the other side of the ball, one of the more under-talked about hires this offseason has been Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator, Talk about how we don't know what Nick Sirianni is going to do offensively. Also, very little idea as to what, you know, what Jonathan Cannon is going to do on the defensive side of the ball. Here's how we talking about his new defensive coordinator. 
Yeah, JG, man, he he's another one. When you start talking to him and see his passion, um, you're gonna you're gonna be really impressed. And this is a guy that, like, you know, when Nick said he he had an opportunity to bring him, and we had heard so much about JG and what kind of coach he was and what kind of future that he had in the NFL, and he just fits. You know, he fits this city. He's got this passion. We have a long line of great defense coordinators here that, you know, we've been fortunate to have. That I've been fortunate to work with and. Um, really think that JG is going to do it now. Is he going to show everything that he wants to in the preseason? No, no. He's he's got um, he he's going to wait till the season starts and do that. And um, I'm really excited about our defense and seeing them on the field. It starts up front. I think we got a, a deep group of defensive linemen um, who all have a chip on their shoulders. And then, you know, I think when we talk about the back end, I'm really excited how those guys are coming together, and, and um, obviously they got to go show it starting on Sunday against a, a good offense and, and a couple you know freak show weapons that they got. And it is a tough challenge right off the bat with Matt Ryan and uh, Calvin Ridley, who's a stud receiver, Kyle Pitts, no more Julio Jones, but that's still a good offense. And you know, as we talked about throughout the course of the night, I think this game is about the Eagles' defensive line. And they need to get pressure, and they need to get pressure up the middle. If they do that, and they do that consistently, uh, I think they can certainly win this game. And I'm excited to see Gannon and, and his approach. I think this defense needed a little infusion, a little new energy. And I think Jonathan Gannon might be the kind of guy who can bring that, maybe be a little more aggressive, maybe blitz a little more. Um, and, and I'm excited to see it this year. Uh, when we get back, I want to let you hear my interview with Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports NFL writer. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly, filling in for Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie on the Midday Show. Talking Eagles, and now we're joined by Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports. You can find him at Jeff Kerr. CBS covers the NFL uh, to talk about the Eagles and a bunch of things dealing with the NFL this season. Jeff, thanks for hopping on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, TK. What's going on? Happy Labor Day, my friend. Happy Labor Day to you as well, Jeff. And to start out, I saw a tweet from you this morning. I didn't know this. 25 years ago, you said uh, the Eagles debuted their midnight green jerseys. Are you more of a midnight green guy or a Kelly green guy? I'm a Kelly green guy. I do like some variations of the midnight green. I kind of wish they'd alter them a bit. I mean, they've evolved over the years, but I don't think you could beat those Dick Vermeil era jerseys or the Buddy Ryan, uh, Rich Kotite era ones. I always was a fan of the silver pants or the gray pants. I, I guess that's what the Eagles call them, but that old Eagles logo is, if I had the Rock Eagles colors all day long, it would be the Kelly Green. Yeah, the, the logo is pretty cool. There, there's no doubt about that. So let's get into it here, Jeff. As far as the Eagles coming into this season, obviously offensive line coming back healthy, additions on the defensive side of the ball, the addition of Devontae Smith. Uh, you know, our question today really, what can you expect reasonably the Eagles uh, to do as far as win total this year? What do you think as a win total is reasonable to expect from this team? Well, from this team, Tom, this is what I keep going back and forth on. I don't think they're going to be as bad as a lot of my colleagues in the national media think. I actually think they're going to be better. And I was talking to Tony Romo about this last week. And we were going, you know, just trying to figure out where they are. And Romo said it best. The Eagles hired a great coach. He, he's really a big fan of Nick Sirianni. He don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy long term, but he said he's going to have the opportunity. He said they got a lot of talent on that roster. He really likes that defense. And he said – 
I was kind of shocked to hear him say that they were going to go 10 and 7, 11 and 6 this year. I don't think it's going to be that high. I definitely think they're going to be in contention, though, for eight, nine wins. I, I mean, it is possible. If Jalen Hurts does play to the level I think he can play, that 10, 11 win uh, you know, threshold, it's definitely within reach. Now, as far as Jalen Hurts, uh, Jeff, you know, from what he did last year, obviously limited sample size at the end of the season. How do you think he played, and what do you think uh, is reasonable to expect from him in year two? Well, I'll tell you what, Tom. I thought he put up a lot of numbers last year, and which is a good thing for a young quarterback like him. Like, I put out a stat the other week. He, he already has two games where he's thrown for three, 300 passing yards and 60 rushing yards in a game. Steve Young has the all-time record with four, and Hurts is one of four quarterbacks to do it twice. So that's pretty impressive in and of itself. And, I mean, these are levels that, you know, Steve Young, I don't even think Donovan McNabb has done that twice yet. So, but overall, like, I think he needs to improve on, obviously, you know, the first, you know, I'm trying to put it best. It's, if his first read's not there, he's got to go through his progressions, go to his second read. But, but, again, the Eagles offensive line was terrible last year. They allowed 65 sacks. He was a rookie quarterback. I, I mean, he did do a lot of good things last year. And I, I actually had the opportunity to talk to Jalen Hurts Friday and, you know, he kind of said that there's a lot of things he's working on in, in general. But overall, I, I think his he doesn't need to take off if his first read's not there. His deep ball's been great from what I heard in training camp. Uh, overall, I, I want to see how he does on, like, the short passes, you know, kind of the slant routes, things like that. Take off a little bit. But uh, overall, I I actually kind of like what I saw out of Jalen Hurts last year. A lot of people love to knock the completion percentage, Tom, but a lot of those are throwaways, too. Yeah, and you you mentioned your your conversation with Jalen Hurts there, Jeff. One of the one of the big intangibles and things that people look at as a strength of his is his confidence and his leadership abilities. Do you kind of sense that talking to him that that he is confident in his ability to go out and, and lead this team? He's definitely a straight shooter, Tom. And part of the conversation was, and I actually tweeted this out the other day. I loved his one word answer. Like I, I hate one word answers as a journalist. That's when you know you only ask, you only ask a good question, but. I asked him what it's going to take to bring a wing culture back to Philly, and we both kind of laughed after he said it, wins. And that's as simple as it gets. I mean, the guy gets it. Like, he gets his fan base, and, you know, we all know Philadelphia is a blue-collar city. He's a blue-collar guy. He's always had to work for what he's got. He's still working for what he's got. And he said himself, I'm going to be Jalen. I'm not going to let anybody change me. I'm, I'm going to be Jalen. I'm going to keep it real with everybody. And that's what I like about him as a quarterback, and that's why I feel he can make up for a lot of deficiencies just because the whole team just gravitates towards him. Like, Devonta Smith told me that right before the draft. He goes, I would love the opportunity to play with Jalen again. Everybody loves Jalen, and it, it just seems like that. Like, I don't hear a bad thing about Jalen Hurts or, or a locker room divided because of Jalen Hurts. It, it's definitely a, a different change of pace than last year. Yeah, and you mentioned Devontae Smith, Jeff, and obviously a lot of expectations coming in coming in for him in 2021. What do you expect out of Devontae Smith, and does the size issue, him being uh, a little undersized for that position, worry you? I was trying to watch a lot of old NFL games. Like, I, I definitely watch a lot of 90s, 2000s NFL games. I don't know why, Tom. I just like to relive my childhood for some reason. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to figure out who Devontae Smith compares to, and he kind of reminds me a little bit of Isaac Bruce and a little bit of Marvin Harrison and, you know, just the body type and how they can catch passes uh, downfield, how they always seem to be reliable. I wouldn't be surprised if Devonta Smith got 80 catches this year, just based on this offense and based on how little I think of the Eagles wide receiver core to begin with, right. uh, you know, outside of 
him, Jalen Rager, and Quez Watkins, there really isn't much to write home about. So I think he's going to get a lot of targets, a lot of opportunities if he stays healthy. A 17-game season, he may even get 90 catches at this point. But I would not be surprised if Devonta Smith was the first Eagles rookie wide receiver to get 1,000 yards in a season. That's how high I think of him, and that's how good I think he can be. Now, the other big story coming into this season, Nick Sirianni going into year one. What are your impressions of him, Jeff? And, you know, do you think he's ready for this opportunity to lead a team? I think he's a good teacher. I think his, these players tend to gravitate toward him. What I'm worried about is can he coach? I really don't know if he can coach. Like, from the people I talk to, they say he can. Uh, people I talked to from Indianapolis, they, they said, look, Nick Sirianni was very instrumental in what Frank Reich did over the last three years. Uh, you know, he's hired a good group around him. Shane Steichen, I know Justin Herbert raved about him when I talked to him in February. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, I was told, is one of the young defensive minds in the NFL. People wouldn't be surprised if he would become a head coach over the next couple of years. So Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts raves about And again, he's known Brian Johnson since he was four or five years old. So Again, I like the staff we build around him. I'm just a little concerned on how this guy is going to call plays, but we're going to see. We're, we're going to see Sunday in week one against Atlanta how this guy game plans, if he can be like an Andy Reid type, or, you know, is he going to be fast-paced? We really don't know that much about him, but overall, I kind of like the vibe he brings to this team. He's definitely installing a culture there. The players seem to like him a lot, and overall, it's, that's really my only concern about Nick Sirianni. Can this guy actually coach? And I guess we're going to find out this weekend. And now, uh, Jeff, you mentioned Jonathan Gannon in there and some of the conversations you've had with people in Indianapolis regarding him. Uh, what do you think the upside could be for this defense under Jonathan Gannon? I mean, obviously they struggled to create turnovers the last couple of years with Jim Schwartz at the helm. Do you think Gannon is going to, I guess, be more aggressive uh, in his approach to, to coaching that defense. One thing I really want to see out of Jonathan Gannon this Tom, I want to see him rush more than four guys, you know, just not pressure the front four and call the day. And the Eagles got 49 sacks and over 300 pressures doing that last year. But now you got Ryan Kerrigan. He can play that Sam role if they want to use him in that. Uh, Jannard Avery's still a pretty good pass rusher for them. And again, Josh Webb, arguably the, the, the best defensive player in camp. Derek Barnett's still going to be a really good run stuffer for them. Brandon Grant can get to the quarterback. Uh, Javon Hargrave was, was great in camp as well. So I'm looking at it as, okay, this team has the potential to get 50-plus sacks this year. I, I really think Gannon's going to be aggressive in getting after the quarterback, getting the quarterback to get rid of the ball quicker, and help the secondary help, help Darius Slay, help Steven Nelson. I think an athletic linebacking force is really going to help, too, with Alex Singleton, with Eric Wilson. I think Sean Bradley's going to play a little bit of a role in there. Same with T.J. Edwards. Shane Davion Taylor got hurt in training camp because I would like to see what he could do. But it seems like this defense is evolving. They're growing. I think we're going to see a lot more creative blitz packages. I'd like to see them kind of send the corner or send an extra linebacker or two if they can, you know, kind of dial up, not, not exactly like Jim Johnson, but kind of dial up a little bit more creative blitz packages and, you know, mix up the coverage schemes a bit, kind of like how Emmett Thomas used to do, you know, ba based on the matchup and, when he was the Eagles defensive coordinator. That's what I kind of want to see. I, I think Gannon, it, it's not going to be it's my way or the highway. I think he's just going to see what he has that week and kind of work around that. And now nationally, Jeff, to close it out, you know, we kind of know who the heavy hitters are in both conferences, but are there is there a team in the NFC and the AFC that you kind of see as maybe flying under the radar that could surprise some people this year? Well, it's funny, Tom. In the NFC, I always point to the West. 
because I feel like all four teams can win the division there. I think the Arizona Cardinals can just as easily come in first in the NFC West as they can come in last. And I think the only reason people are picking the Cardinals coming last is because of Cliff Kingsbury and the questionable decisions he makes. But Kyler Murray's a stud. Their offensive line's a lot better than people give it credit for. I think their defense is going to be pretty solid this year. And their weapons are incredible. I, I mean, everybody says, well, who's the tight end in Arizona? They don't really use the tight end. They run more 10 personnel, four wide receivers than anybody else in the league. And when you got A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, it, it's it's incredible what they got. Christian Kirk is pretty much their number four receiver. It, it's really incredible what Arizona could put out. They can score with anybody in this league. It's if Colin Murray can stay healthy and if Cliff Kingsbury can actually evolve in terms of an offensive play call. So that's the under-the-radar team in the NFC I got. In the AFC, it's kind of funny that because there's seven or eight teams in there that I feel can go to the Super Bowl. By the way, I got Kansas City winning it again. It's kind of hard to pick against them. Right. But overall, I feel like Pittsburgh and Baltimore are really underrated here. I know a lot of people are hyping up Cleveland, and Pittsburgh did win the division last year, but everybody seems to write off Pittsburgh just because of you know their finish last year and how they got blown out by Cleveland. But their offensive line's better. Their defense is better. Ben Roethlisberger looks healthy. Najee Harris, I think, is one of the favorites to win Rookie of the Year. He's the guy I, I picked to win Rookie of the Year. And I think people are writing Baltimore off just because of Lamar but and, and the J.K. Dobbins injury, which I thought J.K. Dobbins was going to be an absolute stud this year before that. But they can still run the ball. Gus Edwards, incredibly underrated. I, I'm worried who Lamar's going to throw to. But Rashad Bateman's going to get healthy at some point. Uh, Sammy Watkins is going to help that offense out. They still have Mark Andrews. Their defense is still a top-five defense in the league. I don't think people realize how tough it was or how much how big it was for Lamar Jackson to go in there in the Tennessee last year and win that playoff game and basically, you know, rush for 100 yards, do everything he did, bring Baltimore to Buffalo, which I think they were going to win that game anyway. Like, everybody goes, oh, you know, Lamar can't go, can't go deep in the playoffs. But it was still tough to be a five seed and to go to Tennessee, a very good Tennessee team and beat that. I think Baltimore could take the next step this year and a tough AFC. If Baltimore can find a way to get home field advantage again, they may be the, the team to beat in that conference. I mean, I, I'm going with Kansas State. I think Mahomes and Reed are just phenomenal, but I'm not sleeping on Pittsburgh or, or Baltimore in the AFC. Well, that's Jeff Kerr, NFL writer, CBS Sports. Now, Jeff, you mentioned your conversation with Jalen Hurts, with Tony Romo. Uh, what else do you have cl- coming up that people can check out? Oh, man, I, I got a lot. So the Romo and the Hurts conversations will be later this week. Okay. Hurts will be Thursday. Uh, Romo will be Friday. I also got an interview with Travis Kelsey coming up, uh, Tony Gonzalez. I got a couple of NFL players lined up. It's going to be an interesting week for kickoff, that's for sure. Well, Jeff, really appreciate you hopping on, man. NFL writer, CBS Sports, Jeff Kerr. Check him out at Jeff Kerr CBS on Twitter. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Yep. Always a pleasure coming on, Tom. That was Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports. Make sure you check Jeff out. Uh, at Jeff Kerr CBS on Twitter, always got some some good stuff and had some, uh, as you heard there, interesting stories out this week. So check out Jeff before the game today to get caught up on all your Eagles stuff that you need to know before Eagles Falcons. When we get back, I want to give you my predictions for this year. Do a little NFL preview. That's coming up in the five o'clock hour. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you for about another hour here. And in the final hour of the show, I wanted to do an NFL preview as we did some of it during the week. Um, But for anybody who didn't get a chance to hear, I made my predictions on 
Thursday night um, on when I was on after the Phillies game till 2 a.m. So I wanted to uh, give you my predictions for this year. We'll go through all the teams and work our way toward uh, the predictions uh, for the end of the season here. I'll give you my playoff picks, Super Bowl picks, um, all that stuff. So we'll do a little of that. In this hour, as you got, you got to get on record before the season starts, and uh, we'll do that this hour. Want to start with the NFC here, as uh, we look at this conference. And last year, everything kind of thrown into disarray by the force that is Tom Brady. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected that Tampa Bay team. Well, I won't say that. I. I I didn't expect that Tampa Bay team to be that good. I thought they were probably, you know, like an 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, team. Um, I didn't buy into the thought process that Brady was done uh, because he did have a bad year that final year in Indiana, in uh, New England, rather. But I didn't think he was still the same Tom Brady that could do what he did last year. I mean, what he did last year was was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And I know that was a team built on defense, but Tom Brady made big plays and they needed big plays, and, and he's just so smart and so good. And you saw the other night in their opener Thursday night against Dallas. I mean, this guy still looks like he is the best player in the sport. And I there's no explanation for it. There's no way you can... We've never seen anything like this before. For a guy in, in his mid-40s, to be playing the game at as high a level as it can be played. And I know the Cowboys' defense by no means is great, but he he was carving them up. This guy's 44 years old. Like, what is going on here? How does this happen uh, for a guy of that age? And we'll get, you know, into that division a little later on. We'll go through the divisions. Um, I'll give you my playoff teams. We'll do our playoff picks in the next segment. Because uh, we'll do the NFC here, the AFC, and then we'll do our our playoff picks um, before the end of the show. But uh, to start, and we'll kind of do this as we look at, you know, team over-unders as well. Uh, we looked at some of that this week, um, but I do want to look at some of the, some of the over-unders as well as we go throughout the division and uh, give you some things to, to watch for here, certainly. Um, but we'll start in the NFC East. Uh, I don't want to get people mad at me right off the bat here, but I do have the Cowboys winning the NFC East, and I feel even more secure in that prediction following what we saw Thursday night. And, yeah, their defense is is not very good. I mean, they have uh, uh, real issues on that side of the football. Um, they have issues getting after the passer. Demarcus Lawrence is fantastic. But aside from him, they really don't have elite pass rushers. Um, Randy Gregory is a guy who's never really reached his potential. They have good linebackers. Um, but I do think in this day and age in the NFL, linebackers are, I wouldn't say a dime a dozen. The Eagles have certainly had their issues finding them. But not the most important position on the field. And um, you look at their secondary, they have question marks there as well. But if Dak Prescott stays healthy, that offense is going to light up the scoreboard. I mean, that Tampa Bay D is no joke. We saw what they did to 
Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs couldn't do anything. And that's the best offense I've ever seen. And they could not move the ball at all in the Super Bowl last year. And you look at what Dallas did. Dallas moved the ball up and down the field all night. And when you look at that receiving court, and it's where you really do need to give the Cowboys credit because there's plenty to mock them about, certainly. Um, Not going to a conference championship game since 1995. Uh, The lack of playoff wins, the lack of success. Uh, You can mock them, and we we have, certainly. But the one area where I got to give that team credit, they draft well. They draft really, really well. And it's, it's as simple as they just don't, outsmart themselves and they don't overthink things like in in the 2020 draft Eagles end up selecting Jalen Rager obviously that looks like it was a bad pick but what I wanted the Eagles to do that year I loved C.D. Lamb coming out of college I thought this guy people were talking about Jerry Judy Henry Ruggs I thought there's no doubt I mean I've watched all these guys play C.D. Lamb is the best receiver coming out of college this guy is going to be a star now He drops, uh, I don't know why, but he drops 17. Cowboys are sitting there. They have needs on defense. I mean, they had just lost Byron Jones to Miami in free agency. They had needs all over the defensive side of the ball. They have Amari Cooper. They have Michael Gallup. They have Zeke Elliott. Like, they have weapons on offense. But to their credit, they're there at 17, and they just said, okay, well, we can't pass this up. Like, C.D. Lamb's going to be a stud. We put him next to Amari Cooper with Dak Prescott. You know, we can worry about the defense down the line, but we're going we're gonna to score at will. And you look at what that offense did before Dak got hurt last year. It's exactly what happened. And you got to give them credit in that regard. They do draft really well, and it's just not overthinking it. And I think they made a pretty good pick this past year, too, where linebacker, and even though it's not a premium position, like, they could have reached, like, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan were gone. I think the Cowboys really wanted Sertan with that pick, but he's gone. They could have reached for a corner, but they just said, okay, well, we're going to sit there. We'll just take Micah Parsons. He's the best player available. And I think Micah Parsons is going to be really good. Um, So as much as we want to mock him, They don't miss on a lot of high-round draft picks. And I think that offense is going to be tremendous this year. I have the Cowboys winning the NFC East. Uh, Their over-under is 9.5. I like them to get to 10-7, even with losing that opener to Tampa Bay. Uh, I think Dallas is a 10-win team. I think they win the division. Uh, So I'll take Dallas there. Second in the NFC East, I have the Eagles at 9-8. I think they are going to be a 9-8 team. I think they are going to be in the mix for the division. And, hey, that final game of the year, Eagles-Cowboys at the link, could very well be for the NFC East. And it is. if it is, I would like the Eagles' chances. I mean, going, uh, you know, being at home in that kind of situation, potentially that could uh, be one that the Eagles could get. I just don't think they have kind of the firepower that Dallas has. Um, and I think Dallas's offense will win them more games than the Eagles' offense will win them. But... You know, we talk about the Eagles a lot, so I won't spend too much time on it. 
Very strong on both lines. I think Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni will be better than expected. I think they get to nine wins. Um, Six and a half is their over-under. I like the over a lot with the Eagles. So I'll go with the Eagles at nine and eight, second in the NFC East. Third in the division. I will go with the Washington football team. Uh, I think they end up at eight and nine. Love the defense. Uh, Under Ron Rivera, great defensive line. Um, I think Chase Young, and I said it earlier this week, I think Chase Young is, all things considered, if he's not looked at now this way, I think by the end of the year we will look at it regardless of position. And there are some great players in this division. I think we'll look at it and say Chase Young's the best player in the NFC East. He is going to be an absolute stud. And um, that you talk about a team that's drafted well, and certainly, as I defend Howie Roseman, um, this is an area where you can absolutely fault Howie. You look at Washington, what they've done on the defensive line is a result of their drafting. I mean, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, like these are all first-round picks that Washington – has used to build this offense or this defensive line. And their defense is going to be great. I just don't believe in the quarterback. And I don't know how you can, considering Ryan Fitzpatrick's history and track record. He has shown consistently he's a guy who is a good number two quarterback. But whenever he is kind of promoted and whenever he is put in that position to be a number one, he falters. And I see it kind of going uh, the same way again. Like, I just don't believe Ryan Fitzpatrick for the course of an entire NFL season can carry your football team. So I have them eight and nine. They're over-unders eight and a half. I wouldn't bet on that. I I think it's a pretty good line. Uh, But I'll take the under on that. Finally, coming last in the NFC East, and I just think this is an absolute lock, the New York Giants. I have it 5-12 and 12 finishing last in the NFC East. I just, I think they're going to be a complete disaster. I, I, If you've heard me, you know my feelings on Joe Judge. I think he's a buffoon. I think Gettleman's a buffoon. I think Daniel Jones stinks. Um, their roster's okay. It's nothing special. And I don't think it's enough to overcome the shortcomings of the main people in the organization. Um, Kenny Galladay, they signed. I like him as a receiver. But I think that was a money grab. Like, they offered him a lot more than everybody else did. Kenny Galladay's coming into the season basically saying, yeah, our offense isn't going isn't gonna to be very good. He's like, our offense, don't expect us to start fast. It's like, who says that? Um, they're going to have to be ultra-reliant on Saquon Barkley. Their offensive line is not good. Uh, so I have them 5-12 and 12 finishing last. Their over-unders at 7. I don't understand it. I don't understand at all. How that line is where it is, I think that's a clear under. um, And I am uh, going with the Giants last in that division. We'll move over to the NFC North now. I have the Packers winning that division uh, at twelve or at at yeah twelve and five. I'll I'll go with the Pat or eleven and six. How about Uh, eleven and six? I don't think they'll be quite as good as last year. Defense solid. Aaron Rodgers. We know the turmoil he went through in the offseason, but he's back. And Aaron Rodgers alone, if he stays healthy, will carry them to a division title. LaFleur, I think, is a pretty good coach. Um, so I like the Packers to win the division 11-6. and Over-under set at 10.5. Wouldn't bet on that. I, I think it's a pretty uh, accurate line there for Green Bay. Uh, second in that division, I have Minnesota. Uh, I have the Vikings finishing up here uh, at 9-8. and eight. Uh, I, I love the defense. 
I love Mike Zimmer. I just think he is one of the best motivators in the NFL, one of the better coaches in the NFL, and I think he's going to work a lot of a lot of magic with that defense this year. Um, I don't love Kirk Cousins. I, I he's just he's basically your definition of a slightly above average quarterback. But if those receivers stay healthy, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, um, I think that team can be good enough to stay in the mix. And I think the Vikings are probably a wild card team this year in the NFC. Uh, so I will take uh, the Vikings at nine and eight. Their over under is set at eight and a half. Another one that I wouldn't bet on. I think that line again uh, is is right on right on point with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you look at third in the division and. The last two teams in this division are both just not going to be uh, very good, in in my opinion. Um, but the Chicago Bears, I don't know why they're starting Andy Dalton. I guess the theory that they are just starting Andy Dalton on Sunday night so Justin Fields doesn't doesn't get crushed by Aaron Donald. If that's really the thinking, that that's you can't think that way as an organization. Like if Justin Fields is your best quarterback, you got to play him and. Um, I have them finishing up at, at you know five and twelve, six and eleven, something like that. They're over under seven and a half. Another one that I think is is a pretty clear under there. Um, and you know, I think Matt Nagy. There's a good chance that he is the first coach fired in season. I don't think he makes it through the season. Um, well, I think the Bears did the right thing drafting Justin Fields. Uh, I think they came to that decision in the wrong way. Like, I think they they made the right move by taking fields. I just don't think they did it for the right reasons. I think Ryan Pace, the GM, Matt Nagy, the coach, did it to save their jobs, um, and I don't think it's going to be enough. Uh, I think they, they both probably end up getting run out this year. Fourth in that division, I have Detroit, the Lions. Um, I have them finishing, you know, 3-14, and 4-13, and 13, something like that. Um, they're just not going to be a very good team. Uh, I think the Jared Goff criticism has gotten a little out of control. Uh, you know, he's not that horrendously awful as many people have made him out to be. He's not great either. Um, but that team just doesn't have a lot of talent. Uh, they don't. I don't know how the Dan Campbell thing's going to work out. The guy's entertaining, but I don't think it's going to translate into a lot of wins. So I'll go with the under, over under five wins for Detroit this year. Uh, I think the under is a pretty good uh, bet there. You look at the NFC South, Tampa Bay. I have a win in that division. I have them at twelve and five. Over unders eleven and a half. We already talked about them a little bit. Brady's got great weapons. Defense is really good. Um, these are the predictions I made before that game. Maybe I'd adjust them if I had seen that game first, but not going to go back now. Uh, I will take Tampa Bay uh, to win that division at twelve and five. May have had them with a better record, uh, but uh, they're going to be good again certainly, and I think they win the NFC South. Uh, second in that division, kind of a surprise team this year a little bit. I have Carolina. Um, I have Carolina finishing it up, you know, 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, somewhere in that range uh, this year. They're over and a half. They're over under 7.5. I think they get over. Uh, I like Matt Rule as a coach. I do. I think the defense will be better under his tutelage. Um, the question is Sam Darnold. And whether Sam Darnold is just bad or whether Sam Darnold was a victim of playing for the Jets. I mean, a lot of people have been victimized by just playing for the New York Jets, certainly quarterbacks. 
and we'll see with Darnold. Um, but I, I, I think that team is going to be uh, feisty. You know, they kind of were last year. I'd expect similar results this year. Uh, I think they're a pretty interesting team uh, to watch. Uh, third in that division, we'll go with the um, with the New Orleans Saints here. Uh, the Saints, obviously going with Jameis Winston at quarterback. We'll see how that works out. I love watching Jameis. I think he's very entertaining. Um, but I got to see that you can rely on him to take care of the football before I pick that team to do anything significant. I Sean Payton, I think, is a jerk, but I think he's a good coach. Um, so we'll see if they can win with Jameis Winston at quarterback. I do think starting Jameis over Taysom, Taysom Hill was the right decision for the New Orleans Saints uh, to make, but I don't think they are going to be a playoff team this year. I think a little step back in the post-Drew Brees era, and maybe they look to add a quarterback in the offseason. I have them 8-9, and over-unders at 9, another one that uh, I think that line's pretty perfect. I wouldn't bet on that one either way. Then last in the division, I think that's a pretty solid division. I have Atlanta. I have Atlanta finishing 7-10. and Over-under is 7.5. Another one I wouldn't bet on. I think the line is just about right there. Uh, Good offense, bad defense. Um, I think Arthur Smith could be a, a decent coach, but... I have to see it first. I'm not the biggest Matt Ryan fan. Don't like the offensive line. Uh, And I think this is a winnable game for the Eagles, as we talked about uh, throughout the course of the show tonight. And then you look at the West. Best division in football, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Winning that division, maybe a little bit of a surprise to some people. I have San Francisco. Um, San Francisco, a couple years ago, was really, really good. Last year, they were ravaged by injuries completely just torn apart by injuries healthier this year. They get that defense back that defensive line that you remember that defensive line was dominant. A third and long stop away from winning the Super Bowl. They're up 10 with seven minutes left. Uh, Nick Bosa is a half second away from sacking Patrick Mahomes. Instead Mahomes hits Tyree kill on a deep ball changes the complexion of everything of that entire game. And the chiefs go on to win if Bosa gets home a half second earlier, maybe uh, that game is completely different. Um, and I, I think that team is going to be interesting. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than he's given credit for. That being said, I don't know if he makes it through the season. They drafted Trey Lance for a reason. I think it could be similar to what happened there in 2012, where Jim Harbaugh is there. Alex Smith is playing fine. I think got a concussion uh, toward the end of the year, but I think that switch was coming anyway. They go to Kaepernick. Kaepernick provides just another element to the offense and takes them on a run to the Super Bowl. I think it could be a similar situation where uh, Jimmy G, I think the leash will be short. If he struggles a little bit, I think they'll go to Trey Lance. And I love Kyle Shanahan as coach. I think he is maybe the best offensive mind in the NFL, certainly one of them. Um, and I like San Fran 13-4. and four. To win that division over under is at ten and a half for them. Uh, so, so I'm not sure uh, if uh, the Niners can can reach that level. Um, but I think I, I'd take the over there. I think they are a pretty impressive team coming into this season. Uh, second place, I have the Rams. The Rams finishing eleven and six. Their over under is ten and a half. Uh, I've never been the biggest Stafford fan, 
but he'll be good in that offense. McVay's a good coach. Uh, I just don't think they're the most complete team. I think they're a wild-card team, though. Uh, so I'll take the Rams second in that division. Third in the NFC West, I'll go with Seattle. I have them finishing 9-8, and eight, over-unders 10. Um, wouldn't really bet on that either way. But Russell Wilson is good to get you close to 500 on his own. Um, he's got weapons. They got a, an all right defense. Uh, so I'll go with Seattle to go 9-8, and eight, be a wild card team. And then last in the division, Arizona. I know Arizona's kind of a hot pick this year. Eight and a half the over-under. I have them finishing out at 7-10. and 10. So I'd go under there. Um, and I think Cliff Kingsbury, probably this is his last opportunity. I'd... I was never in love with that hire. He's done an okay job, uh, but I think they, I think they should have a higher ceiling with Kyler Murray than they have had so far this year. So I'll go with Arizona at seven and ten, finishing last in that division. Now, just you know what, I'll do the NFC playoffs now. We'll do the AFC in the next segment, um, and give you a Super Bowl pick in the next segment, but. Uh, my my division winners: Niners, Bucks, Packers, Cowboys. Wild cards: Rams, Vikings, and Seahawks. Um, and then I would have uh, the Rams over the Cowboys in a wild card game. Packers over the Vikings. Bucks over the Seahawks. Uh, then I'd have the Packers beating the Bucks in the NFC divisional round playoffs, um, and the Niners beating the Rams. And I have the Niners over the Packers. In the NFC Championship game. So the 49ers, who at that point, I believe, will be quarterbacked by Trey Lance, I have going to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. So those are my NFC picks. We'll do the AFC when we get back, and I'll give you my Super Bowl prediction, and we'll uh, wrap things up coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. We'll look at the AFC West here. Um, Winning that division, Kansas City. Obviously, I think uh, I have them at 13 and four over unders 12 and a half. Wouldn't bet it just in case, you know, 13 wins is hard to get even with a 17 game schedule. But I think they'll be back. Uh, offense, obviously, extremely talented. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, um, just a tremendous coach quarterback combination, which is so important. So I think Kansas City's going to be going to be a powerhouse once more in the NFL. I have them winning the AFC West. In the AFC West, second uh, place in that division, um, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. I really like the Chargers this year. Uh, I think they are an interesting team on really a number of levels. Justin Herbert coming off a, a very impressive first season with that team last year. Uh, they have weapons. Brandon Staley, the head coach, comes over, was the defensive coordinator for for the Rams. You'd think that he could help improve that defense. Defense does have some talent. Uh, they get Joey Bosa back. Hopefully he's healthy for them. Um, they have some talent in the secondary. Chris Harris, Derwin James, uh, and we will see if that team can live up to the hype. But I have them 10-7 and seven and a wild card berth in the AFC West. So I'm interested to watch the Chargers this year. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, Denver, I have finishing this season 8-9, over under 8.5, would not bet it. Um, they they are going with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback. He's okay. Not good enough, though. Like the defense, don't love the offense. 
And uh, I don't think the Broncos have done enough. If they were to get a quarterback, like if they were to get Aaron Rodgers like they had rumored had interest in the offseason, then that would obviously change everything for that team because the defense is Super Bowl made. Uh, But don't think the quarterback play is going to be good enough in Denver to get the job done. Uh, So I have them finishing third. Fourth in that division, Las Vegas Raiders. I have the Raiders... You know, six and eleven, seven and ten, over unders at seven. Wouldn't bet it, um, but hey, they know jobs are on the line there. I actually really thought Mike Mayock, who's the GM, obviously former NFL Network local guy here, really refreshing honesty from Mayock, where he said, "Yeah, we got to win more games, or I'm probably going to get fired." And like, it's true, they do. And and I don't know if Gruden will get fired just because he's got that insane contract, which was insane at the time, continues to be insane. Um, but they got to win more games. I don't think the talent's good enough. Their offensive line got worse. Their defense isn't great, um, and they're in a really good division. And uh, I don't think things are boating in are are looking up and in the right direction for Las Vegas. Uh, so I have them finishing fourth in the division. So my AFC division winners: Bills, Chiefs, Browns, Titans, Wild Cards, Ravens, Chargers, Dolphins. In the playoffs, I would have Titans over Ravens. Browns over Chargers, Chiefs over Dolphins, then Chiefs over Browns, Bills over Titans. And in the AFC Championship game, I have the Bills beating the Chiefs. Change it up this year in that regard, too. I just think it's really hard to reach the Super Bowl three years in a row. just doesn't happen very often unless you're New England. Um, So I have in Super Bowl 56, I have Niners-Bills, and I'll go with the 49ers. I I think this is the year Kyle Shanahan finally gets it done Knocked on the door before as an offensive coordinator with Atlanta, as a head coach a couple years ago with San Francisco. Um, like what he's built there. And I have the Niners over the Bills in Super Bowl 56. So there are predictions uh, for the NFL season. As for today, gave you my prediction a little earlier. I'm picking the Falcons in this game 23-20. to I think it's going to be tight. I think the Eagles are, are going to play it really close. I think Jalen Hurts will play well. Um, you know, I don't think he'll light it up, but I think he'll play well. I think the defense will play well. I think being on the road, though, is difficult week one. Um, you know, no real idea what to expect. I mean, who knows what could happen in this game. Uh, but Atlanta's got a lot of talent. I think it might just be a little too much late for the Eagles secondary to, to be able to hold up. Um, but I'll go Falcons 23-20 to in this game. But as I said, I think the main key, Eagles need to get pressure, and they need to get it up the middle. Uh, Matt Ryan is not a mobile quarterback. You get in his face. Maybe you can create some havoc. Uh, I think it's important for the defensive linemen, get your hands up. You know, they need to get their hands up, deflect passes, uh, and maybe you can create some turnovers. And and good things for your defense that way. This team needs to find a way to create more turnovers. So uh, I will take Atlanta 23-20, to uh, but we will certainly talk about it when I am on tomorrow uh, in on a Sunday night and still filling in for Big Daddy Graham. It, it, we, we, we have always said that uh, since Big Daddy's been out, and, you know, it would be weird not to say that. So uh, I'll be in tomorrow night uh, talking about the Eagles and Falcons. Thank you to Dan Wilson for producing the show tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 